Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. I'm exhausted already, honestly. Just talking to people in this building. It's like you kind of get on air and you think, it's, it's, I'm grateful to be here to have a bit of a rest. Because I'm, I must have chatted about one, two, three, six people this morning. And I have, I've only just got on air. We haven't even started doing the programme. So uh, I'm trying to get through as much as possible. Laura Whitmore, you'll know her because she's that, uh, that woman who turns up to everything. You open the fridge, she does 20 minutes. But she doesn't, she's a presenter, but she obviously seems to like hanging around with rich people or famous people because it adds a bit of credibility to her. I can't quite work out why, but this time she was hanging about with Professor Green. I mean, she's 31, for God's sake. She's not 18. She's almost past her sell-by, poor soul. Uh, coming up on Channel 4 very shortly, nude dating. Seriously, nude dating. Oh, God. I'm not sure about that, actually. I do remember years ago there was the nude quiz show hosted by Keith Chegwin, and they publicised it for ages, as you know, on the television, and they said and uh, it's going to be the nude quiz show hosted by uh, Keith Chegwin. And so we all thought Keith Chegwin would be clothed. Uh, he wasn't. Keith Chegwin, uh, hello, hello, Noel, and all that kind of stuff, came from behind a rock, stark naked. I mean, seriously, everything was on display. I immediately sent a sympathy card to his wife, saying, I'm so sorry, I had more than that when I was 12. It was really embarrassing. And people since then, every time they've looked at Keith Chegwin, they sort of, they look at him with pity in their eyes, ladies and gentlemen. There's not a lot you can do about him. Uh, And Channel 4 have decided that all these years later, we're now responsible adults, and so they can put on nude dating. I don't kind of see the purpose to it at all. I mean, I really don't understand, unless it's just gratuitous willy and everything else on display on the television. I can't think of any other reason what it's there. And they're going to do a programme on naturism and the programme is going to be examining, in the nicest way, why people seemingly quite normal want to take their clothes off in public and up and down. Now, I've done it in Brighton. I make no bones about it. I have stood on the Brighton nude beach because the little Volks railway at the back slows down so that you can get a grim glimpse of uh, people with no clothes on. And so years ago, a couple of us went down there, and every time the Volks railway went past, because it goes down one side and then it comes back up again, uh, we sort of stood up and waved. Not with our hands. And, uh, and so there will be pictures, I should imagine, people go. And people go down there deliberately to look at nude people, trying to pretend they're looking at the sea. And it's a really uncomfortable beach in Brighton. It's all stones and everything else. If you, if you breathe in at the wrong time, you could inhale half a dozen pebbles. It's not difficult. So what you have to do is you have to sort of watch the television and people will be outraged. Even though I've warned you now, there will be a nude dating show and there will be a documentary on naturism. I remember one year ago, it was a family, mum and dad and the two boys. And one of the boys was about 13 and one was about 16. And they all went on nude holidays. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I don't... If, if my parents had ever suggested we're going on a nude holiday, <laughs> they'd have fallen off the edge of the bed. can't think of anything worse. I mean, dear God, I mean, you never saw your parents naked, did you? I mean, if you did, you went, oh, no, horrid, needs ironing. And so we sort of, um, so we kind of missed out on that. So Channel 4 are going to push the boundaries and they've managed to find a presenter who's willing to do it. Obviously somebody quite desperate and they're going to put it out. They're going to, and they will obviously do it with a warning. The following programme contains nudity, but there'll still be somebody, won't there? There'll still be somebody going, I think it's absolutely outrageous. I just turned on the television and there they were on full prominent display. And everybody else will be going, that's what you're watching it for. You're watching it because it's a bit pervy. It's a bit, ooh, you know, it's a bit top shelf in the newsagent. I mean, frankly, I think it's a bit dated. 
I mean, I really do think it's a bit dated. Uh, the sick touts in the papers today selling the tickets for the funeral of Muhammad Ali. I can't believe that people would actually be selling tickets for the funeral of Muhammad Ali, but they are. They are. And up for sale, Hitler's socks and ties. Socks and ties. Uh, the shame of a pair having sex in a cinema. Uh, it was the Batman movie. I wouldn't mind. Obviously, it must have been a really bad movie. And the worst thing is they were both on benefits. Both people on benefits. And so they're going to deduct the fine out of their benefits. They both look perfectly fit and healthy. If they can afford to go to the cinema, what are they doing on benefits? They can obviously afford to work. I saw somebody at the Tesco uh, branch, the supermarket, next to the rugby stadium. Uh, big bloke, big bloke, gets out of a car. He's not disabled at all. He doesn't even have a disabled sticker. He just parks in the disabled bay, which really, as you know, drives me to distraction. Excuse me one minute. Oh, lovely. Second cup of coffee of the day. I woke up this morning and it's my routine. You go to the fridge. I put I put the cup, you know, onto the, uh, the hot water machine, put some coffee in it, switch the button on. Out comes the hot water. Then I pour the milk in. I've got a cup of coffee, so I have a shave in front of the television. Whilst I'm sort of, you know, getting myself ready, I'm watching and catching up on what, uh, what's going on in the news. And, uh, and I poured the milk in. The milk's only gone off, hasn't it? I mean, and I looked at the date, four days over, four days over. So a little bit disappointing. So I just had water this morning, which is OK. I don't have a problem with just having water. That was OK. And, uh, and then I bumped into, uh, we have so many presenters in this building. So many presenters. I mean, they're literally, every time I turn a corner, there's another presenter going in to do another show on another radio station. And I quite like it. We're like a little, we're like a little early morning club here. And so my friend Toby came round, and then Rich came round. You missed all of that. Oh, I tell you, it was, all, it was the meeting of sort of, you know, the great... And I know you miss me mentioning Laura Whitmore, who's in all the papers today, looking... I mean, she's 31. I did mention earlier on that she's now beginning to look just a little bit desperate... Seriously. I mean, she needs to find somebody and settle down. Otherwise, they're going to be going, oh, there's that sad old Laura Whitmore again. Who's she hanging around with this time? Professor Green. The last person she hung around with, Leonardo DiCaprio. But he'll hang around with any old dog's body, won't he? So anyway, so, uh, so I was bumping into all these people this morning. So Toby came around, had a little bit of a chat and, uh, and then Rich. And then there's other people as well. And I bumped into my friend, my new friend, Will. Uh, Will works on one of our sister stations as well. And I know he's listening to the programme because he said, will you give me a shout-out? And I think that's what they call it in, in radio terms. Will you give me a shout-out? It's not really the kind of programme to do shout-outs on. But uh, for the purposes of a new addition to the family and somebody else who's sickeningly young. This is the one I tweeted about. I said, everybody looks about 15 in this building. I mean, it really is embarrassing. You look at They don't even look as though they're out of nappies, half of them. Some lookers are about to climb into nappies, but that's another story. And so, um, and so when I bumped into Will Manning, and then he was... I mean, they're all, they're all... We have mutual friends. Mutual friends in sort of radio stations, the length and breadth of the land. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It is interesting for me at my age now to meet all these younger people, you know, the, the Australian contingent who come over here, because basically they can't get a job in Australia. And so they, they, they come over here, and that's quite nice. Uh, then there was also the story about... Uh, the students. Do you know a lot of students? I know this probably sounds really bizarre because I thought it sounded bizarre. A lot of students work as escorts for that read prostitutes. Uh, they will go out and they will to get themselves through through college. They don't think there's anything the matter. They've done a survey with students saying they didn't think there was anything the matter with it. They thought it was, you know, escorting work, which is basically prostitution or stripping, is exactly the same as working in a bar. Did you know that? I, I seriously didn't know that. I was, I, was, I was slightly disturbed because I worked in a bar before and I've never actually seen it as prostitution, but I have seen it as a way of uh, meeting people. 
uh, quite quickly. You can meet loads and loads of people. You know, it is it is easy to meet people if you work in a bar because they have to talk to you. It's as simple as that. I was going to look, actually, at... Uh, what was I looking at? I was going to look at the weather, and then I thought, no, because I have a horrible feeling that the weather's going to turn today. I think we're going to end up with a bit more rain. Apparently, the day before yesterday, it rained like bilio, and and I missed it. I absolutely missed it. Somebody said, oh, that we had thunder and lightning, and I said, did we? I never saw it. I can sleep through anything. I sleep through fire alarms. I mean, I'll end up losing my life that way because I just can't. I mean, once I'm once I hit the bed, I'm not a light sleeper. I'm a really heavy sleeper, which I which I quite like. I don't I don't have any problem with with sort of doing that or sleeping or anything at all. But some people are very light and they get uh, they get woken up, you know, at the drop of a hat. You've got to drop a pin in the hall and they hear it straight away. Um, uh, what would Mary Whitehouse make of new dating and television today? I have no idea. I don't know. I think she'd be horrified. I think Mary Whitehouse was the uh, president of the TV Viewers and Listeners Association, and she was the moral bastion of this country. She was one of those people who sort of said, it's disgusting, we shouldn't have this, and we shouldn't have that, and this is outrageous. <coughs> she complained about... A <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me, I'll just have a quick slurp. She complained about Romans in Britain. You'll, I can't tell you about it because it was on at the National Theatre. And she complained about it. She said it was disgusting. And I suppose to the untrained eye, it would be seen as a bit risque. It did cover all sorts of topics, but it was the story of the Romans in Britain. We're talking about Roman times. And, uh, oh, God, something else to tell you, which I've only just discovered this morning. One thing I discovered this morning, which I've never, ever, I didn't even know about, I didn't even know about until it came up on the television this morning. And I've got to tell you about it. But anyway, so, so the Romans in Britain went on at the National Theatre and it was full of full frontal nudity. I don't know why people say... People see something and it says, you know, contains nudity. And then people want to go to it but to be outraged. I, don't, I, I really don't know why you would go to something, you know, and, and all of a sudden the nudity comes on and or appears and everything. And you go, well, that's outrageous. You think, but you must have seen the signs. You must have you must know about things beforehand. So when we get the nude programmes on Channel 4, people will watch it. More people are certainly be watching that than they are Big Brother. You've switched off in your droves. Nobody cares about it. Z-list celebrities. They don't even qualify as Z-list. It's just a bunch of old tarts. I mean, seriously, and that's the blokes. The women, I mean, right off the scale, it's just a, it's just tat. It's just cheap and tatty. And I blame that on the researchers and the producers trying to find something. Who's interested in a pair of ugly old twins from Essex? Who's interested in some woman who worked as a dominatrix? I mean, that's just absolutely tatty television. But what did I discover on the television yesterday? What did I discover? Well, I was, I was so shocked. I'm still, I'm still reeling from the shock at the moment. I, I still can't get my head around it. But I, I will tell you. I will tell you this morning. If I have to tell you in a moment, actually. Uh, also, the shaming of Maria Sharapova. It's this drugs thing again. And yet Nike have said we're still going to support her. Because they go, oh, we thought so-and-so was flawed and it wasn't uh, right. Also on Interpol's most wanted list, but found within a matter of seconds, uh, the Albanian killer living in Britain on benefits. He's a, he's a double murderer. He's living here. I mean... And do we have any borders that are protected? Do we really? Italy's got 600 ships, I believe. We've got three. Well, you might as well get out there with a with a, a cap gun and go bang, bang, and just wave it around in the air because you're not going to have any uh, impact on getting rid of people. One of whom has nicked somebody's identity and is living here quite freely on benefits. And we can't get rid of them. 
And you think, so we've got a double murderer who gouged somebody's eyes out. He's living here and we're paying for him. I know what you're thinking. You'd like to hang him too. Quarter past four. LBC. And it's past four on Nick Ferrari at breakfast as Leave EU considers legal action over the decision to extend the voter registration deadline for the EU referendum. Should it have been extended and if it had been older voters who'd failed to register in time, would the government have gone to such lengths? Uh, Britain Stronger In will warn a vote to leave the EU, threatens the existence of the UK. Will leaving jeopardise our unity? And the UK's top cop, Sir Bernard Hogan Howell, will take your calls. That's Nick Ferrari. Uh, this morning from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Guest today, David Buick, market commentator at Panmure, Gordon and Company. So, Will, you got your shout-out. Rich got his shout-out. Everybody else gets their shout-out this morning. And here is the staggering bit of news that I did not know until this morning. I had no idea at all. And the story goes, it's the film Oliver. Now, Oliver was a very, very successful film. Uh, I know we've had a number of boys from Fagin's gang who've been listening to the programme over the years. Uh, We never talked to either the Artful Dodger or Mark Lester, who was a very successful child actor. I think he's now a physiotherapist. And uh, he's very tall. He's six foot six. But he can't sing. He never could sing. And so when it came to Oliver, they had to find somebody to be the voice of Oliver singing. Now, I didn't know this. And there was a programme on the television looking at musicals. And it's a lady called Kath, whose father was the musical arranger, I think. I, I might have got that bit wrong. But either way, it's, it's her father who has something to do with it. And they were trying to find, and they'd auditioned hundreds of boys to be the voice of Oliver singing. Because he couldn't sing. They just wanted to put somebody in front of the camera. He looked absolutely right. And, and I learned two things from this programme. First of all, she was the voice of Oliver. So when he was singing... Who will buy? And you close your eyes if you're watching the film and imagine it being a woman's voice. And it's a woman's voice. And when he sings, Where is love? Does it fall from skies above? That's her voice. And in fact, that particular song was her audition. That was the, that was the one take they did. They didn't bother doing the song again. And to make him cry, to make Oliver cry, because he cries in this one, what do they do? They get a garland of onions around his neck, which was hidden below the camera shot. And after 15 minutes, it made him cry because onions make you cry. And so that's why the tears that you see are not genuine tears. They're tears from the onions, which were made into a necklace around his neck. But I never knew he wasn't singing. I thought it was him singing. I imagined all the way through that this was this was Mark Lester singing. You know, who will buy this wonder? It was her. It was this woman who sang for him. And there was a Broadway show because there was a very famous woman called Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon sung for loads of people on the film. People who couldn't sing were dubbed by Marnie Nixon, who became the singer's singer. So if it was somebody who was very famous but they couldn't sing for Toffee, in came Marnie Nixon. And she did all sorts of things. Check her out on the internet. You'll be very, very surprised. I wonder, Steve, it'll be a rise Princess Ellie of Goulding. Oh, God, no, she's council. She's council estate. You can't have that. A commoner coming into the... I mean, I should imagine old Harry likes a bit of rough. You know, but I mean, there's rough and there's rough. Oh, no, you don't want to start diluting the royal family. It was bad enough when we got uh, when we got uh, old, old Katie Cambridge coming in there. I mean, that, that's taking it down a peg or two, isn't it? They're supposed to marry European royalty. That's what they're supposed to. But have you seen European royalty? Oh, 
They are more snooty. I mean, at least our lot are a bit down and dirty, aren't they? Whereas European royalty are actually quite, you know, hello, hello. It's all terribly like that, and people look up to them because we are the serfs, and they are sort of blue-blooded and all that kind of thing. By the time you get to Harry, it's, it's new dancing in Las Vegas. So, I mean, come on. I mean, let's not waste time start pretending that the royal family's actually to... I mean, look at old Fergie, old Sarah Ferguson. Suck my toes. Suck my toes. She loved it. That's what she's famous for. She was, you know, she was shop-soiled before she'd even got to Prince Andrew. Then they had two really unattractive daughters. Well, one's semi-okay, the other one's really horthy. Uh, then you had Princess Anne, who's okay, but the hairstyle's not changed in 500 years. Then you've got the daughter, who's slightly snooty. Then you've got the reality star husband. He can only appear in reality shows because he doesn't really know what else to do. Then you've got Harry, who just said he's just trying to be laid. That's all it comes down to. I mean, let's just try and find somebody who's easy and available. I'm surprised Laura Whitmore's not thrown herself onto him. I mean, she's done it to everybody else. Oh, yes, I'm just going back to Leonardo DiCaprio's place. Oh, come on, dear. You're 31. You're an old woman. You should have settled down by now. Getting a bit desperate to start wandering around. But mind you, she does hang around with a few other people of similar ages. Uh, Steve, I've been on the end of stolen identity. It's not very nice, says Anna. Uh, luckily, I've never been on the end of stolen identity. They didn't want the original Steve Allen. Why they'd want to copy carbon of him, I've got no idea. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. But isn't that interesting about Oliver? Did you ever know that? They trawled to find hundreds and hundreds of boys to be the voice of Oliver singing, and then it ends up to be the uh, one of the composer's daughters who sings for him in all of his songs. I never knew that. I thought that was just brilliant. In fact, they had to do it quickly because they were running up to the uh, the wire, as they say, on it. Really interesting. I, I, I loved that. I absolutely love it. And uh, another one here. This is uh, on... Uh, oh, some nice pictures of sunsets. We like pictures of sunsets. Thank you, Junior, very much indeed. Off to Turkey until the 22nd of August. God, that sounds quite nice, doesn't it? That could be absolutely fantastic. And, uh, as I say, everybody agreeing that those two old tramps from uh, from the Big Brother house... Oh, dear God in heaven. Where do they get them from? Even the Daily Star, which you would think normally hails these, these people, and uh, they haven't done that at all. They absolutely haven't done it. Big Brother, fan snub show launch. The twins, Emma and Victoria... I mean, dear God in heaven, where do they get that? Is there an agency for uglies or something? Out they come. Actually, there is an agency called Ugly. But uh, the Big Brother bosses have been blasted for the Z-list celebrities. They've got some old tramp from the valleys who slept with everybody. She's called Letitia. They've all got peculiar chavvy spellings. And then Kiss and Tell Girls, Laura Carter. Kiss and- Laura Carter, is- I think she's the one who claimed to have had a threesome with uh, Justin Bieber. That's her claim to fame. I mean, it would have been easier to find a high-class tramps agency and bring them onto the programme. At least they'd have had a better, a better sort of markup. Agony Aunt, uh, Vicky Patterson's Agony Aunt series, Judge Geordie, and an ex-BBC journalist, Andy West. No idea. Not a clue. Uh, Marco Jr., Marco Pierre White's son, Marco Jr., because they're nothing if not original, that family. So it'll be Marco Pierre Jr., OK? He's, he's a bit of a no-mark. And uh, then Natalie Rowe who made headlines, claimed to be pals with Chancellor George Osborne and uh, X Factor contestant Ryan Rutledge. Others include, no marks, Victoria and Emma Jensen. I mean, dear God, what are they? I mean, really, is that the best they can manage? Answer, yes. How desperate are they? Very, very desperate. 
Very. One fan tweeted, what happened to normal people going in with no connections to celebrities? But uh, it's only people who've slept with celebrities. That's about all it comes down to, isn't it? And frankly, if that's the mark you're going for, I mean, the two from Essex look prime candidates. Very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. But as I say, you know, perhaps somebody or somebody go, oh, you're really attractive. Nobody's watching it, though. And that's the, that's the thing. They're switching it off in their droves. Uh, it's a bit like Top Gear, actually. Why can't they find a programme that works on the television? Why cannot they find a pro- I knew they were going to put Noel Edmonds the other day on to uh, this morning, because that's what they do. If there's a story in the papers, this morning watching, you go, oh, let's put them on. So, in fact, if these two old has-beens from Essex, the two twins, <coughs> manage to sort of get kicked out in about five seconds, they'll be on this morning, and they will then believe that they've got celebrity status, whereas, in fact, they've got nothing. Not even looks. Uh, dead sick. How would you like to book for a party? David Guest. Yes, one agency still has him on the books two months after he died. Uh, They said their website had been redeveloped by an internet marketing firm and they've asked numerous times to take it off, but uh, nobody had. And uh, they say uh, his his name was incorrectly spelt as Guest, G-U-E-S-T. So they couldn't even get that bit right. I mean, honestly, what an embarrassing agency. What an embarrassing agency. What do you mean you've asked to take it off? Why do you take it off? I'm trying to throw the blame onto somebody else now. But he has been dead for a few months. And as far as I know, I don't think there's any plans to resurrect David Guest in any way, shape or form. Thank God. Still waiting to find out what he was worth. We all think zilch. We think zilch. We can't work out how he'd have money unless he managed to get money out of the uh, estate of Liza Minnelli. And that bit I'm not too sure about as well. Katie Price has trotted into a storm about her new children's show about Pony Club. She turned up at one of them uh, in covered in bling, and the club turned around, excuse me, we dress normally round here, go away and dress properly. So they gave her clothes to wear in, which, of course, will go along with her tatty little new hairdo. I mean, I don't know what this woman can do anymore now. It just is collapsing around her ears. She's still... I mean, you would have thought, as opposed to doing silly little television programmes, why don't you go and get some, some voice training to make you stop sounding so dreary because she talks in the flat monotone voice because when I married um, whoever she married who slept with her two best friends and the and the person said that he was beyond help and all that, and it's turned him round, it's made us stronger. Certainly made him stronger, darling. He was getting much better sex with them than he quite clearly was with you. And in fact there's another one on the internet as well. So I mean, you know, if you want to see him performing, there it all is for everybody to see, which is slightly embarrassing. But uh, that's the trouble with poor old Katie. She can't find happiness because what she's looking for is somebody to kowtow to her and say, you're a huge international star. A little bit like, I suppose, Laura Whitmore. As I say, Laura, the desperate Whitmore now, turns up to some of these events. She's not nominated for anything. She just turns up and then disappears off with somebody so she can get a you know, a sort of a picture in the paper. So she gets a few pictures in the paper today. She gets a nice one in the, uh, I think it's in the sun. And here she is, oh no, so a different, different picture. Here she is coming out of a party. She's obviously trying to make out she's a bit sort of snooty, but unfortunately it just comes over as, as being as if she's got a bad smell stuck under her nose. And the hair's really a wrong sort of colour. But um, apparently she went with uh, Professor Green, who also turned up to the um, this um, award for women. And I, I couldn't quite work out what he was doing there because he hasn't done any services to women for ages since Millie McIntosh dumped him. And then they went on to the grout show as well because poor old Laura Whitmore, I mean, she must be trying to work out where her next pound's coming from because she got dropped, didn't she, from, uh, from I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. And I think mainly because she's so old. 
31 in television terms. That's past it now. It is for somebody doing what she's doing. She's never going to get a proper presenting job because she spends most of her time going to parties, which means that, you know, and I did know somebody like that years ago. All they wanted to do was to go to parties and be photographed. And now you don't see them anywhere, anywhere at all. They tried it all. And I think poor old Laura Whitmore's tried it a few too many times. And people are now going, oh, God, there she is again. It's like, who else turned up in a, in a picture? Daisy Lowe. Well, I tell you, you could parade her naked through Leicester Square and nobody would know who she was. You really, you might have heard the name, but that's about as far as it goes. Anyway, all very exciting this morning in the newsroom because it's 4.30 with the latest headlines. It's Charles Rowe. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to five. You don't really care about the time, do you, this morning? Unless you're sort of catching a plane, in which case, quick, quick, you're going to miss it, going to miss it. A couple of months ago, Steve, Ellie Goulding said she was taking a year out from music to recover from her breakup of her relationship. Oh, it didn't take her long to break up from that one. And Sarah tells me there are two houses on Big Brother. One is full of exes and people from the original housemates past. Bosses are trying to stir things up. Well, they're trying to get an audience, but it's failed miserably. Nobody's watching the thing. It's, seriously, it's, it's hemorrhaging. It's, I mean, it's, it's even worse than Top Gear. I mean, Top Gear, we thought, couldn't hemorrhage any more people. They, they seem to have done it quite successfully. In fact, all you have to do is spend an awful lot of money. Because sometimes the best, the best programmes are the cheapest programmes. To spend, as I said before, to the point of boredom, 650000 for one show of Top Gear was the biggest waste of money I've ever seen. Seriously, I've never seen so much money being wasted before. Uh, unless it's anything on the uh, younger members of the royal family. I don't think we want to spend anything there. Will anybody be buying Hitler's socks and ties? I would think a museum. I would have thought a museum, but I should imagine they'll then get bombarded with people saying, no, you shouldn't be buying it, but they're coming up for uh, their auction. Uh, poor old Nancy Delusional. I mean, she's really had her day, hasn't she? She never was anybody. She was just an old has-been years ago. Still drags her little carcass around and people point and laugh at her. She's very old. If you think she looks old in pictures, you want to see it in real life. It's really, it's really embarrassing. And the sick tout selling funeral tickets to Muhammad Ali's funeral. Seriously, people have got tickets for it, and they're, they're selling them. Can't quite understand that one at all. And a shoe chain which says, if you want to buy our heels, shave your legs. That's nothing but... You want to see the newsreader this morning, Charles? He's wearing shorts. He's wearing... First time I've seen him wearing shorts. And, um, and the reason is that the place he lives in is very hot. And he's obviously living at the top of this house, which is a room created under the eaves. It's a bit like one of the borrowers. You know, he's living up there. And he said it's very hot. So, and the, the heat has been awful. And I used to have a, a flat like that. It was sort of like a bedsit years ago. And it was up in the eaves of the house. And the heat rises. And it was boiling. It was absolutely boiling. I mean, seriously, it was awful. And so you spend most of your time walking around half naked, you know, as if waiting for the Channel 4 programme to come along. And so Charles this morning is wearing shorts. He said, it's really hot at home, Steve. Really hot. So a little bit of a treat for us in the newsroom. A little bit of a treat there. Wearing his little shorts. I think he must have put some of that fake tan on his legs. I'm totally convinced, because he, he looks like he could be a very pale person. Very pale. Actually, I bumped into my friend Toby the other day, who's been away to Ibiza a week, and he's come back the colour of a creosoted fence. Seriously, I mean, he's, he's, he's one of these people, he's very lucky. He tans quickly. I don't tan, and, and I have no interest in sitting in the sun. I, I'm bored witless sitting in the sun, but he, he's really got a fantastic tan and looks really, really good. And then I had another story to tell you. And this is very interesting because 34 years ago in the charts, hands up if you remember, a group called Tight Fit. Tight Fit had uh, a big hit single called The Lion Sleeps Tonight, which had been covered by loads of other people. I think it was written by a South African many, many years ago. It went, in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. And it was, it was known as Whim Away. A whim away, a whim away. And so it went like that. Anyway, uh, they had the group. There were two girls and a boy. The boy was called Steve Grant. 
and the girls weren't. And so, 34 years later, they've decided to release their Greatest Hits album, and I found a copy upstairs on one of our uh, other radio stations' desks. And I have to be honest, I've pinched it. I've, I've half-inched it, and I know it came in for, because it was, it was open, it was sitting on the desk, and my friend Toby says, oh, that's all right, you know, take it. And, and I said, I've, I've got to talk about it on the programme this morning, because I remember playing the record, and I thought it was very good, and it was all dancey, and Steve Grant, as I say, was the boy in the group. Now, whether he sang on it, I've got no idea. I'm not, not too well up on these sort of things. But I do know that in the press release that came with it, they said, oh, since tight fit days, they've all been doing this. Steve went into Miss Saigon and then he did some, and then his eyesight went. And so now he's got very, very limited eyesight. So he's obviously got some degenerative uh, eye disease, which means that he's effectively gone blind. Uh, so now he's working in a, in a studio and he's only young. Well, you know, youngish. It was 34 years ago. So even if he was 20 then, he makes him 54. That's still very young for something like that to happen. And uh, I thought that's what was interesting, because you often wonder what happens to people in these groups. And we mentioned the other day that ABBA have reformed after 30 years and they sang one song. Now, whether or not ABBA go out on tour remains to be seen. I think they would sell out immediately. You know, we've had all these other groups going out there. Take that can sell out. I think ABBA could sell out. My friend Rob would be the first one buying tickets. He would love to go and see Abra again. I mean, everybody would, just to see what they're like. You'd have to do it, wouldn't you? You'd have to go and see Abba. I mean, I wouldn't want to be seeing any of these other groups. I wouldn't want to go and see East 17 again. Or, you know, I'm not really that interested in the Spice Girls reforming. It doesn't, it doesn't particularly bother me. But I'm just, I wouldn't be buying a ticket for that because I'm a, I'm a worry that it's only going to be three of them. And if it's three of them, that's, that's not the Spice Girls. That's just Spice which isn't quite, uh, which isn't quite as exciting. But would I want to go and see ABBA? Yes, I'd want to go and see ABBA. Yes, I think they would be definitely worth seeing. Definitely. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that one, won't we? Could be could be an interesting thing, though. Could be an interesting thing. And uh, they've actually turned down. Last year they turned down a billion dollars for a reunion tour. They don't need the money, except Agnetta, who apparently is only worth about four million. All the others, I think, uh, the other woman in the group is worth about £75 million. The boys are worth about £100, £120 million pounds each because they had uh, hit musicals with, with chess. And then Mamma Mia went out on the road and then Mamma Mia the musical and all the rest of it. And there's a film. And so that's where the money has come rolling in from. But Agnetta, who everybody fancied because she was the blonde one. And uh, she's only worth about four million. But she was the one who went reclusive. They were trying to get interviews with her. And she didn't want... Because people age. And we've got an image on our mind. I mean, I, I did think they were a grossly unattractive group. I mean, seriously, they were never blessed with looks. The two blokes. But that's what they all look like in Sweden. They're all like that over there. Very Neanderthal. You could seriously imagine them with bare skins on, drawing on a cave. You know, that's the kind of thing. And then, and then, and then the girls, and they were sort of. It was all sort of face shots, and then double face shot, and then to the side, and then the other side. And Chris Evans used it. He nicked it for TFI Friday, didn't he? Or TGI Friday? No, TFI. I think TGI Friday is something else. And so, uh, so poor, poor Agnetta. You know, her, her sort of looks faded a little bit, and then she just didn't want to talk to people. So if they turned down a billion, I bet she was sitting there going, "Take it, take it, take it." A billion dollars, and they didn't want it. They didn't want it because they've got their money, and no amount of money would persuade people. It's like if somebody said to to me, you know, I'll give you ten thousand pounds to appear naked on television. Not a cat in hell's chance. Seriously, fifty thousand? No. Million? No. Not no amount of money would ever get me to appear naked on it. Imagine, and yet half these bimbos that they've got for the uh, for the for the big brother, they do it for twenty quid. 
20 quid a curry and a cab fare home, and they'd all do it for that. I wouldn't do it for any amount of money in China. Luckily, I'm in a position I don't need the money, and also I'm not that desperate to be famous, thank you very much indeed. Imagine taking all your clothes off on television. I mean... <laughs> So I just thought of something very rude. And uh, and I thought, well, that's not going to happen either. So uh, there's, there's no point in worrying about it, is there? It's never going to happen. Nobody's ever going to offer that sort of money. And in which case, I would turn it down anyway. I wouldn't even want to go on a reality show. I mean, you've got to be really desperate to go on a reality show, haven't you? Why would I want to do something like that? Um, so what else we got? Oh, uh, Brucey Forsyth. Still not well, but he's doing a lot better than he was before. We were quite quietly worried about him the other week because he uh, he missed his wife, uh, well, nearly his birthday, because he's not very well at all. And he's getting on a bit now, but he's clinging on in, and they've said he's a lot better, a lot better than he was, but he's still not, still not out of the woods yet, so we send lots of love to him. And then I was having a long chat with friends of mine yesterday about uh, Silla's sons selling the house and selling the other property and some of her things, and people were saying, isn't that awful? You know, Scylla would be hurt, hurt by that. I thought, no, she wouldn't. She was always the first one. Scylla was terrible with money. Bobby was the one who made Scylla's money. And then Robert, in, uh, in future years, after his dad died, they, they looked after Scylla's investments and everything else and made sure that she had some money left. But even after a lifetime, she got 15 million quid. That was what was, I think, left in her estate. And then there's the house, which will probably go for about four and a bit. Uh, we're not sure about the 17 acres. I'm not sure whether the house comes with 17 acres or there is a wood attached to the house. But whether or not it's her wood, I don't know. Or if it's somebody else's wood, it perhaps just forms part of the property. We, we don't know. Then she's got the house in Barbados. She's got a six-bedroom penthouse in Westminster down the road from here, which she had for ages. And then there's the, uh, the villa, mansion, whatever you want to call it, in Estepona which is where she died. And I think all of those could be put on the market. The boys don't need them. They've got their own places. Uh, they don't need to go back to any of the houses to sort of be in touch with their mum. They've got all their memories. They've probably got all the photos. They've got the recordings. I should imagine there's every TV show under the sun. I've got loads of Scylla TV shows on DVD, which people have sent me over the years. And they've got everything else. They've got all their photos and their memories. They don't need anything physically. And I'm sure that she would always be the first one to say, listen, if you need the money, Sell the properties. No point. That's what she bought them for. Shouldn't buy them to be kept as museums, I wouldn't have thought. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. We put everything in on the programme. I've got to have a quick look at this weather, actually, today. Cloud mist clearing. Back to the coast. Another warm day with sunshine. Cooler near the coast. If only I was near the coast. And uh, tonight, fine and dry. Clear spells. Cloud amounting. Cloud amounts tending to increase later. A few mispatches may form in some rural parts, remaining warm overnight in urban areas. So that's not too bad, is it? Not too bad. Um, the other uh, story that was in the paper today, uh, there's a man who has to give police 24 hours notice before he has sex. And it's because he's a convicted rapist, as far as I can remember. And so he says that's like a life sentence. He said, having to give them 24 hours notice before I do anything. And I was going to say, you know, I was trying to equate it to people I knew, just of whom I haven't got the faintest idea. When they, I mean, how can you work out 24 hours in advance whether or not you're going to be feeling in that kind of mood? Uh, Mark Wright could be a professional footballer after his appearance at the Robbie Williams charity thing. Um, Manchester United want to give him a little tryout. And so it could be a new career, couldn't it? I mean, he's really got not too much experience apart from just kicking a ball out with a few uh, desperate people from Essex. But uh, after his appearance the other day, they were saying he could be a professional footballer, in which case he could be earning an awful lot of money, in which case it could raise his profile. I mean, he could easily pick up 50,000 a week, which is probably a darn sight more than he's picking up at the moment. So it could be a, could be a change of career. 
and uh, and a school teacher who's in the papers today. The reason she's had to quit is because this particular school teacher is a dirty school teacher. Yes, she's a very very dirty school teacher. She uh, she advertises on a sex site. I don't really know how she ever managed to get a job as a as a school governor. Her name is Michelle Copeland. She's a school governor in Bradfield at Woodside Academy. And uh, she also appears as Shelley C on a Vice site. Lord, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. We have to take uh, a very quick break because I have to run like mad to the toilet. Can I do it? Is it one, 150 we've got? One, 150? What if we can do it in 150? Starting from now. This is LBC. Peasy lemon squeezy, as they say. Well, just, just about, I think. Just about. 13 minutes to five. It's Thursday morning in London town, so the weather's not going to be bad today, is it, really? I'm quite pleased about that. Kevin the Milkman says, a million quid, Steve, to present a game show naked. Tell the production company to sign the cheque. I'm stripping now. He said, well, that's put everybody off their breakfast. <laughs> Actually, I wish you were a milkman round my way. Could have done with you at about quarter to two this morning. Uh, and Paul says, I'd like to apologise to everybody for the weather next week. I'm on holiday to the Isle of Wight, so naturally the weather's going to be rubbish. And uh, Steve says, Jack, a spiker in Catford. He said, 24 hours notice for sex. I could give a month's notice just after payday every month. Yes, I know, it's dreadful, isn't it? I don't know how people ever manage with things like that. The stuff you read in the newspapers, it gets more bizarre by the day, doesn't it? Uh, Sharapova, uh, a two-year doping ban for the tennis star. Does she care about it? No, don't think so. These people don't worry about that, do they? Uh, Brucey's on the way, 100% fit, which is good news. Uh, the school boss, quitting over the sex site pictures. Embarrassing. Uh, yesterday, the school submitted her termination as a trustee after being contacted by The Sun. Uh, and their quote was, Mrs Copeland was a director of the Woodside Academy Trust from July 2015 to June 16. It was an unpaid role, in effect, as a parent governor, which carried out on a voluntary basis. She's not and has never been an employee of the Academy in any capacity. She resigned as director. Yeah, but she worked there. So, you know, she worked there, and you didn't know she was working as a, as a sex worker. I'm not sure... She charges... £4.80 for punters to have 24 access to a private gallery of shots that include sex stuff. How could she ever be a governor of a school? I mean, does that... I mean, the trouble is you have to ask yourself the question, don't you? Does it really... I mean, the fact she's been exposed as, uh, as a sex worker, I suppose, is a wee bit embarrassing. A wee bit embarrassing for her, a wee bit embarrassing for the academy. They don't call them schools anymore, they're academies. But does it really make any difference? I mean, do we assume that... Uh, that people who work on sex sites are any different from anybody else? I don't know. How would I feel if all of a sudden the people I was working with turned out to be sex workers, you know, and they were working on a sex site? Would it make any difference? I don't know, actually. I have to think about that one. That one might be a bit more complicated than I imagine. If somebody's working as a sex worker, would it affect the work they were doing on the programme? So if I had a producer who was working as a sex worker, as a prostitute or an escort or whatever you want to call it, would that make a difference? <sighs> That's a toughie, actually. I don't know the answer to that one. I've just realised I don't know the answer. Would it make? Would I want somebody working as a sex... I don't know. I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it wouldn't actually make any difference. But at the front of my mind, I'm thinking, yes, it might make a difference. And then I'm thinking, in what way would it make a difference? And I can't think of any... I'll have to ask James O'Brien. He reckoned we were both introverts the other day. He was having this... He was doing this analysing Steve Allen day, and he reckoned we were both introverts because we don't like, really 
going out to dinner parties. Neither of us do dinner parties, either throwing them or going to them. And I said, I don't like going to a party where I don't know anybody. I have to know people. Some people are very good. They walk into a room and they immediately can sort of latch on to somebody. Hello, hello, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not one of those sort of people. And uh, so that's why he thinks that we're both introverted. Whether or not he's right, I don't know. Uh, Steve, nothing new and exciting is produced anymore, says Andy. So that's why these ancient music acts and moribund TV shows only continue a mainstream existence because there's nothing new and exciting. I agree with you. There is nothing new and exciting. Every time another TV show comes along, I start going, you know, is there anything interesting here? And the answer is no, there isn't. There is nothing interesting in this country. On the television, you go, oh, it's another one of those dreary shows. It's another Big Brother. I mean, they're paid enough for it. They might as well drag it out to its bitter, bitter end as it just crumbles and falls into the ground and we stick a headstone up saying, here lies the body of that really dreadful uh, Big Brother programme. It's like even the other one, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I mean, sometimes you're hard pushed to work out who these people are. Who is it? Oh, it's some failed rugby player or it's some, some, some failed person who had a relationship with somebody and that's about as far as it goes. So when you look at the pictures, the poor old Laura Whitmore, you know, striding for... She's just a TV presenter. That's all she is. She's nobody else. You know, she's not related to anybody remotely famous. She's just one of these bimbo type who turns up and she's blonde and she just sort of hangs around with people. But at the end of the day, she seems to wander off with most people. And here she is leaving the Glamour Woman of the Year Awards with Professor Green. I don't know. What, he was, what was he doing there? What were Anton Deck doing there? What were any of these people doing there? It's, uh, perhaps it's just an excuse to get out of the Z-listers. So she wears a red dress, which is slashed up to the uh, thing, which apparently probably gets people like little Stephen going. This is Stephen, who is really Professor Green, but, I mean, he hasn't done any rapping for ages. He lost his street credibility years ago. It's all gone. A bit like Prince Harry's now shaved off the beard, because Ellie Goulding probably said, I don't like beards. And so he's probably shaved it off again. But, as I say, that's all he does now. He just goes out to sort of celebrity events. So he sort of let down the royal family big time. I'm not really interested in the charitable side of it. I've seen loads of people who've done charity before. It doesn't necessarily solve anything at all. There's also the postie. Uh, This is a lottery winner. He is blowing his fortune, jetting around the world to watch top sport events. Uh, He was a £300 a week postman a year ago. Braving all weathers, he spent tens of thousands on games since scooping, well, just under 3,000, 2,604. And so he's been to basketball uh, in the States. He's been to, he's watched the Redskins with a pal, the Wales qualifier. And uh, he spent uh, footy pitch and games room 10,000. Uh, he's been to Euro 2016, the Brazil Olympics. He spent family gifts, 250,000, house 600, BMW 90 grand, trips abroad, 50,000. So he's, uh, he's spending his money. And, and why not? That's what it's supposed to be about. As long as he's still got, you know, a million to keep in the bank, he can, he can do OK with it. He can. You know, why shouldn't you? The whole idea of winning the lottery is that it changes your life. If you're one of these people who says, well, it's not going to change my life, well, then give the money back. Give the money back. You're not going to... It doesn't solve anything, does it? You win an awful lot of money. They go, well, of course, we're still going to stay in the same house. And, of course, well, everybody hates you. Everybody hates you. Look at the picture in the paper today of... Um, this is Rex Factor. Dermot and size six for the X start. Dermot O'Dreary. Touch and go for the first auditions. They had to go crawling back. The other two were, uh, were a total disaster. And so now they've got uh, Caroline Flack. She was at the Women of the Year Award. Again, she's getting a bit old and doddery now, poor soul. Fern Cotton was there. Don't know why. She was like a truck driver. Uh, Tom Evans and uh, Vicky McClure. 
I couldn't tell you who they are at all. I've heard the names, but I really don't know enough about them. Amanda Holden and Alicia Dixon. And uh, here's a lovely picture of that person who is so average-looking that you can't even believe that she's a model. Somebody called Daisy Lowe. And she went out on Tuesday night. She's just split from Thomas Cohen, who was the widow of Peaches Geldof, and then she went to the Royal Academy of Arts summer exhibition. But they obviously invite anybody there because Nancy Delusional went, and she just looked like a complete car crash. But there again, she's always looked a little bit like a car crash. And uh, Holly Willabooby is back. Susan Sarandon to keep flashing cleavage. There's obviously a dirty side, isn't there, to Holly Willabooby? She sits there looking all, you know, butter wouldn't melt. But I think secretly, when she's on that programme uh, with... Um, Celebrity Juice with Campo de Gino, who is, is still, you know, he's still a talker like a this. And he's been in this country for ages, you know, and he's been in prison as well. He's been in prison uh, for thieving. And, you know, and he's still a talker like a this. And you think, are you just putting it on? I, I said it before on the, on the programme, I'm totally of the opinion that he comes off set and he goes, so we cook a this today. And he comes off set and goes, is that all right? Is that all right? Everybody like that? Because I don't, I don't believe he talks like that all the time. He can't do. He can't. I think it's an act. I think it's an act. I think the whole thing's an act, I've decided. A family forced to cancel a holiday, uh, a £2,300 holiday via selfish passengers on an EasyJet flight, have received compensation of £4,240. The story is that Carolyn and Jay booked an all-inclusive break with the kids, Braden and Riley, but they were forced off the overbooked price, pr- uh, flight at Bristol Airport, when no other passengers would move so they could sit together. The airline's rules say all children must be seated next to an adult. So they spent the half-term break in a caravan in Exmouth. They booked for Tenerife through Thomas Cook. They were originally offered 800 They've now accepted an offer of 3640 and £600 of holiday vouchers. Have you seen that? You know when you go to the airport and they go, listen, uh, the flight's overbooked, these people really want to go. Will anybody give up their seat if we rebook you and give you £200 compensation? And sometimes people, if they're not in a rush to go anywhere, will accept that. But in this particular case, on this EasyJet flight, nobody was willing to swap their seats. What a bunch of selfish old so-and-sos, eh? What a bunch of selfish old so-and-sos. We're not going to move our seats. Why? You know, the family want to sit together. Well, we're not going to. You know, we're not, because they're, they're travelling EasyJet. So I'm assuming, having seen some of the passengers who travel EasyJet, why would they want to move? Awful. And um, James was talking about the loneliness of old age the other day. A 60-something lady phoned him to say she was a sex worker. He was floored. Is it a sex worker? It's only because the computer takes out any words that vaguely resemble anything that is rude or, uh, or lewd. So out it comes. Talking of rude and lewd, here it is. The house that was being renovated. Uh, £700,000. End of terrace house. All going terribly well. And then all of a sudden it just collapsed. It collapsed. Another brickie working nearby, known only as Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? What, what's your name, mate? J- is it going in the papers? Oh, just call me Jimmy. Well, how many other names you got? About 15, all right? I'm on the old benefits. And he said, the guy was a bit close. He had to run away. I've worked on building sites for 17 years as Jimmy. And, um, and then it just collapsed. It just collapsed. Local Ken Taylor told the London Evening Standard a couple of bricks fell, then gradually the whole roof decided to, to cave in. So uh, no house. The woman who owned it had died, apparently, a short while ago. She'd be horrified, wouldn't she? Absolutely horrified that the, the house is no more. So they'll have to sort of build it up again. I quite like it. There was, a, there was a house a short while ago. I like it when they dig down into houses and there's a couple that have collapsed over the years. 
And you think, if you're living next door to these sort of places, it must be quite scary, mustn't it? <laughs> it must be very, very scary. Very, very scary. Uh, other stories in the papers today. A refugee being hunted over a suspected double murder. They say he's using a stolen identity. So easy now, isn't it? You just nick an identity. And, uh, and they get it from all sorts of places. Uh, and also Michelle Keegan. Uh, dodging a soaking. I'm getting as bored of pictures of Michelle Average Keegan as I am of just about anybody or anything to do with the Beckhams. You know, because, I mean, Michelle Keegan, she's just a very, very average actress. I mean, very average. That's all it comes down to. She never got any awards for acting, I don't think. She's only ever got it for her looks. Uh, Nancy Delusional, looking like some bad drag queen from Venezuela. In fact, looking a little bit like Ruby Venezuela. And uh, former Sven Goran Eriksson's ex... Or a caftan with this bizarre thing. Perhaps she's run out of money. I always thought she never had any money, actually. I'm sure she owed all over the place. And um, it's a very interesting picture here of, uh, of Daniel Radcliffe. They've got lots of pictures of, uh, of Daniel Radcliffe in the paper. He was shown a series of old black and white fo- photos featuring people who looked just like him when he appeared on The Tonight Show. So they found lots and lots of people who looked like Daniel Radcliffe. And one in a 1940s picture, one of the soldiers, looks exactly like him. But you have to remember that Daniel Radcliffe uh, never wore glasses. He doesn't wear glasses. It's only as Harry Potter he wears glasses. It's coming up very shortly. The news at five o'clock this morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. It's Thursday. You've made it through the week. This weekend, you've got... God, blimey, it's all going on round here, I tell you. Apart from the fact that on Sunday... We've got the, uh, that big that big sort of foodie thing taking place in the Mall, which I shall be going down to uh, from about 10 o'clock in the morning and doing some reports back into Katie Hopkins' programme. So I've got to go and get my palace accreditation. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for that bit. I have a badge, you know, with my name on it and Steve Allen and, oh, it'll be wonderful. Can't wait for that. There's also the nude bike ride in London. I think it's Saturday and Sunday. Well, I hope so, anyway. I quite enjoyed it the other year. And uh, and then I think one of our sister stations has got a huge event taking place. So all of that and more this weekend. It's everything to play for. Oh, and of course, my In Conversation. On. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, the 9th of June. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's hell having to give the police notice of when you intend to have SEX. Uh, Channel 4 to start new dating and uh, a documentary on naturism. Just an excuse to show things. Years ago, it used to have a warning triangle. Probably now they won't even bother. Uh, The shame of the pair having sex in the cinema. It was during the Batman movie, which gives it a rough... Rating of zero, I think. Both of them are on benefits, so the fine is, for having sex in a public place, uh, we take it off your benefits, which is great. Uh, don't shoot. That's not guns, that's filming. Police raid Geordie Shore in Magaluf. I mean, really, if you've seen the pictures, it's just awful. It just really is. A lot of really desperate people. And back to Laura Whitmore we go. All these roads lead back to desperado Laura Whitmore. The woman who didn't make anything about... Uh, when she got invited back to Leonardo DiCaprio's place. But there again, he invites everybody back there. I mean, come on, hands up if you've never been invited. There you go, nothing. Everybody's been invited back there. It's just one of those sort of things, isn't it? You know, poor old Laura Whitmore, desperate to try and make a name for herself, and it's not... It's just not happening, I'm afraid. She's just she's just coming over at the age of 31 and being a little bit sad. A little bit sad. So maybe it'll maybe it'll sort of, you know, pick up, I suppose. Uh, on Interpol's most wanted list, an Albanian killer. He gouged somebody's eyes out. We talk about it as if it was absolutely nothing. He's living here. He's on benefits. He's doing quite well, thank you very much indeed. And uh, you can see him on the front of the Daily Mail today. Here he is. His name is uh, Metra. 
Maitre, an Albanian double killer, Avni Maitre. He's 53. He gouged out the eyes of one victim and finally in custody after they alerted Scotland Yard to his whereabouts. Police had no idea where he was. And yet, strangely enough, Interpol had him on their list of most wanted. The mail found him in easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. He was given a UK passport. He sneaked in after claiming to be a Kosovo refugee. He's not. He's a liar. And he's wanted. So now they've got him. And hopefully we'll get rid of him and he never comes back ever again. Hopefully go back into prison. I can't understand how we've got all these people here. Why do French and Saunders look more fantastic now than they did... 13 years ago. I mean, Dawn French just looks absolutely amazing, and Jennifer Saunders looks absolutely wonderful. Um, I was hoping, hoping that the Vicar of Dibley would be announced uh, as coming back. I believe that there were plans afoot to try and resurrect the Vicar of Dibley, which I think had loads more mileage in it. And so, uh, if, if we're lucky enough to get Dawn back in the studio again, uh, I think that we could then say, is Vicar of Dibley coming back? And hopefully we should get a, a straightforward answer. So, the magnetic therapy... It does work, says Noel Edmonds. Now, over the years, Noel has come up with some different things. He talked when he got deal or no deal about... Uh, somebody tried to explain it to me yesterday. One of the guys on our IT desk tried to explain what it was he was coming up with. It was some theory that if you think positively, then, then things happen. And this was, and he obviously uh, subscribes to magnetic therapy. Now, I know you can buy copper bracelets with magnets in, and they're supposed to be good for rheumatism and all sorts of things like that. But Noel yesterday revealed his own battle against cancer after criticism of his claims that this electromagnetism can treat the disease. Now, not many people have heard of this pulsed electromagnetic field technology, but it's been around since the 1900s. And that's all, all he's doing is telling you something that's been around for a long time. I'm not defending him in any way, shape or form. I'm just explaining that what he's talking about has been around for ages and ages. Doctors, uh, physiotherapists, chiropractors, researchers, they're still unsure how it's meant to work. It's supposedly targeting cells within the body and helps improve the way they function. And so here is this, uh, here is this piece of equipment. And uh, it's called the EMP pad. Omnium 1 and EMP pad IMRS. This device sends waves through copper coils in a body mat and users are advised to use the treatment in eight-minute sessions. Research carried out on using PEMF to fight cancer has produced what some say are promising early results. However, the firm stresses that trials are in very early stages and it's impossible to access or, or assess the therapy's benefits. However, Edmonds has previously admitted he believes in cosmic power. That's it. It was, it was writing to the cosmos, asking for a hit show, and he believes in the power of positivity, which you should do. If, if you want to believe in something, then you should believe in it. And, uh, and that's, but that doesn't... I don't believe that's the power of positivity. I believe that's just sort of saying, this is, this is what you need to go for. If you want to go for something, you can go for it. If you want to stop doing something, you can stop it. If you want to stop smoking, you stop smoking. If you want to cut back on eating fried food, you can do it. Everything is, is possible. I don't believe anybody that says, oh, I, I would love to give up smoking, Steve, but I just can't. It's too addictive. I understand how addictive it is. And I don't know any, enough about cancers. I know that I've lost various members of my family to cancer. And I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I don't know whether or not we've all got it. I don't know whether or not something manifests. But, you know, Noel Edmonds has been fairly positive throughout his career. He's 67 now. He looks exactly the same to me as he did years ago. He doesn't look any different at all. Any different. And I worked with him uh, when we did Crinkly Bottom. 
We took uh, the house party out on the road, and uh, it was a very, very enjoyable time for all of us, really. So I became the voice of Crinkly Bottom, which I quite liked, actually. <laughs> and it was lovely. It was really lovely. It was, it was just a very happy time. He flew his helicopters. All the celebrities came out, including Daniela Westbrook, who we had to all put up with her. She was going through one of her traumatic sobbing into the telephones every five minutes. But apart from that, it was wonderful. Bob Carroll, G's and the team, and we all had a big celebrity dinner every Saturday before we did the show. Friday we did it before we did the show, and it was lovely. It was just one of those, you know, you do something in your life and you go, Gee, I really enjoyed doing that. That was really great fun. So people going out to do OBs and stuff like that. I remember what it was like because we used to take this programme out on the road. I've done it from restaurants in Soho. I've sat there at a table doing a programme. We did it from Quo Vardis. I've done it from, I've sat at Marilyn Munro's dining table doing, pro- I've done all sorts of things. They just put a tie line in and uh, you just sit down and do the programme. We've had restaurants in, we've eaten food. Oh, it's been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. really has. Uh, anyway, all I wanted was a wash and a basil brush-up. And this is a fox, which is wedged at the back of a dishwasher. Uh, and to be honest with you, he's, uh, the uh, mother has a den quite nearby. And so uh, he was reunited with her. We used to have a mother fox with a den very near us, but she got killed crossing the road. Um, which is unusual, actually. I know you do see it. And um, and then, for some reason, the other foxes have disappeared. Used to have them, but disappeared. Whether or not they, they died as a result of being left, I don't know. Amazon is now delivering fresh food four hours after you order. It's quicker to walk to the supermarket, isn't it, really? Uh, they already sell tinned and packaged groceries. Do they really? I'd no idea. But now they've got Amazon Fresh. Uh, it'll be available to customers who pay the £79 annual subscription for Amazon Prime. That's me. That's me. I do that. Which means you get everything delivered for free. And so now you can have it. So you can pay an extra 6 a month for the food service. They've got 130,000 goods, including Coca-Cola, Kellogg's, as well as products from Morrison's, under a tie-up that was announced in February. Wow. Good idea. It's been in America for a little while, actually. 69 postcodes in north and east London, near Amazon's Bow Distribution Centre, but there are plans to expand. Oh, good. Uh, the blow, a little bit of a bit of a knock for Tesco, Sainsbury's and Asda. We've all seen sales suffer in recent years. Interesting, isn't it, really? And uh, they think the uh, uh, the shopping basket could cost £58.93 compared to sixty-seven eighty-eight for the same products at Waitrose or £59.90 at Asda. So that's not bad. Do people really worry about what it costs? I have to be honest, I've got, I've got so far beyond that now. Years ago, you'd go out there and you look at, you've, you've got on your shopping, I don't even bother doing a shopping list. Why would you do a shopping list? Unless you're catering for a whole family. I'll just go, what do I want to eat tonight and over the next two nights? And then do it like that. And I, I sort of look at it. But I don't, I don't look at something and go, well, I'm not spending that on it. I mean, unless it's particularly outrageous and particularly ridiculous. In which case, you know, I just buy stuff. If I need fruit, I buy fruit. If I need milk, I buy milk. I don't look at the price and go, oh, well, the milk's going to be cheaper over there than over here. I tend to sort of just buy it wherever I am. I can't be bothered to trail about all over the place. Some people do. Some people do. I'm, I'm just not one of them. The England rugby stars are bearing their tattoos. Whatever happened to the sport of gentlemen, says Richard Kay. Uh, Jack Noel insists his tattoos are part of his family's trawling heritage. He comes from a trawling family. What a load of old cobblers, honestly. The rubbish they come up with, these poor people. Uh, Royal Mark uh, Telmana Harrison appears to have the Prince of Wales' fleur-de-lis on his chest. Do you think any of the royal family have got tattoos? Do you think the Queen's secretly got, you know, a few tattoos on her back or something like that, I think? Do you think Harry's got any? I think Harry's probably covered. Actually, no, we've, we've seen Harry topless. 
I don't think he's got any tattoos. I mean, seriously. I don't think he's even got a body. And he's very covered in hair. It is almost seriously like looking at uh, an episode of Orangutan World. I've never seen anybody with such hairy arms, apart from a guy called Richard Keyes, who used to work on TVAM. He had the hairiest hands I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it was serious. He used to look at them, and I'm sure he used to have to shave them every so often. But by the next day, it had grown back again. And, and, hair, and Harry's got the hairiest arms. I mean, seriously gross. Seriously gross. Uh, the Cats choreographer is Dame Gillian Lynn. How old is Dame Gillian Lynn? 90. I wouldn't have thought. I seriously had her down at about 60-something. 90, and she's heartbroken because she's been dropped by Andrew Lloyd Webber in favour of, favor of another choreographer. And she's, she's not happy. She's not happy at all. She could do it. She said, I can do just as good a job. 90 she is. I've interviewed Dame Gillian. She's lovely. I Seriously, you don't, you don't imagine that she's that age at all. But it's one of those things, isn't it? Until somebody tells you their age, you go, really? Well, you don't look it. And that's obviously the, uh, the compliment that people are expecting to hear. Uh, proof that Britain has lost its marbles. Having found one uh, killer in the country where he's been living on benefit. Well, obviously, we seem to hand benefits out to any old Tom, Dick and murderer. And here's the other one. This was uh, Salomon Bassi. And uh, he's the double killer granted legal aid to fight extradition, even though he's allegedly confessed to two murders. He's using human rights law. What about he's not? Somebody's advised him. He doesn't look bright enough to do that. And so we've had to... Uh, at the moment, he's, he's enjoying £2,000 a month in benefits. Uh, plus, he also makes sums from selling cocaine in London. Well, how marvellous, ladies and gentlemen, really. And we have these people here. Ian says, will the Edmunds yoga mat be used to save Top Gear? Do you think anything can save Top Gear? I'm not totally convinced I think anything can save it. I think it's almost... I think the, the British public decided they didn't want to watch it. They're not going to go back to watching it. I think it's on the wrong day. Um, and I just don't think the time was right for that. I just think it's... I think it's just really odd. I think it's just really odd. Mark says, very strange listening to Steve Allen at 11pm in Mexico. 11pm in... Well, you're not in Mexico, are you? God, get back safely. You know me in Mexico. I'm slightly wary of anybody who says, I'm going to Mexico. And you think, no, don't go to Mexico. It's dangerous out there. It really is. Mind you, it's fairly dangerous over here as well, so probably lesser of two evils. Quick time check for you in case you're worrying. It's 5.15. Ferrari at breakfast as Leave EU considers legal action over the decision to extend the voter registration deadline for the EU referendum. Should it have been extended, and if it had been, older voters who'd failed to register in time, would the government have gone to such lengths? Britain's Stronger In will warn a vote to leave the EU, threatens the existence of the UK, will leave, jeopardise our unity. And the UK's top cop, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, takes your calls. That's Nick Ferrari this morning from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. David Buick will be looking at the papers today. And the papers are full of... The usual sorts of uh, little bits and pieces of how, you know, they're, they're so obsessed with the way everybody looks. And they, they've sort of shown you various pictures of people like Fern Britton, Victoria Beckham, and uh, who's this? Courtney Cox and uh, Ulrika Johnson. Well, I saw yesterday Fern Britton. She looks fantastic. Seriously, she did ask. She did ask. She said, what's going on with you and my husband? Should I have to have words with him? I thought, oh, no, here we go. It's going to be a nightmare, isn't it? She said, all the radios in our house are tuned to LBC. She said, everything is tuned to LBC. She said, the car radio is tuned to LBC. Everything is LBC. She said, he gets up. She said, turns on the radio. There you are. I said, well, I can't do anything about it. I said, honestly, I said, he has started, you know, texting quite a lot. 
and so she said, do you want me to have a word? I said, no, 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 it's fine. Seriously, it's fine. I thought, oh, Lord, I can see divorce proceedings heading on this one. But uh, anyway, no, she was lovely. She was really lovely. We talked about her new book. And uh, we talked about everything. Her antiques programme, we talked about... You wouldn't believe the conversation we had. We talked about everything. We went from Fred Astaire to Ginger Rogers to Valley of the Dolls and Jacqueline Suzanne, all in a matter of uh, seconds. Steve, says Mark, the hospital did magnetic therapy on my torn shoulder muscle. Within minutes, the pain that I'd suffered from for two days and nights went and I promptly fell asleep. Actually, talking of falling asleep, my friend John, who's been in for this sleep apnea, he's got this sleep apnea thing, they've given him the mask and the machine, he, he said he fell asleep waiting for the appointment. That's, that's how good it was. And the other day, he, he got back after working in the shop all day, thought he'd have a lie down for ten minutes, and you and I know, fatal lying down. For, if you're really tired and you think, I'll just have a little lie down for ten minutes, gone. All night. Went through all the way through till 6.30 the following morning. And I said, well, if you listen, if you sleep... You must need to go to sleep. That's that's what I uh, that's what I do. Eight four eight five O Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at Steve Allen Show. Apparently, Queen Victoria's son, later become King Edward the Seventh, had a tattoo. Really, really. You see, I'm, I'm not sure. I was uh, yesterday. I was asked. Uh, my friend Anthony said, "Would you ever have a tattoo?" Have, well, first of all, have I got any tattoos? I said, "Do I look like I've got tattoos?" No, obviously not. I said, "My mother would have freaked. Absolutely, would have freaked out completely if I'd gone in with a tattoo." It was like I wanted to get a, a piercing, an ear, you know, an ear piercing, and I thought I wouldn't even have done that. If I'd have gone home with something like that, my mother would have gone up the wall. Seriously, she never would have coped with anything like that. So I never got an earring. And nowadays, you don't really see earrings on men, do you? You very rarely... Whereas years ago, you used to see them. People had little studs in their ears and, and things like that. And somebody said, it doesn't hurt. I said, are you sure? They went, no, it's just like stapling and you don't have any feelings in your lobe. And then I thought maybe I could have just a little a little stud. And then I thought, no, that'd be ridiculous. A man, man of my age, honestly. I'd look like I'd be doing sort of all sorts of strange things. I mean, you've never heard of anything like it. Why would I want an earring? But I thought I did want one when I was younger. But uh, I have expressed no interest. I've had a tattoo now. Uh, and if I had, I certainly wouldn't be telling anybody about it. Actually, that's probably a fib. I probably would be telling people about it. But what would you have? I don't know. I could have the LBC logo. Now, that would be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> 84850, uk. This is the programme that everybody tunes into. More people in radio tune into this than anything else. Uh, front of the Daily Mirror today, you get a free Hovis loaf. Have you seen these hampers that these people are getting who are going down to the Mall on Sunday? Worth £150 with salmon mousse and jelly and... Oh, it looks delicious. I am going to be down there. But uh, I'm not... I don't get a hamper, I don't think. Uh, Nigel Farage's former aide has been jailed for sexually abusing a boy of seven after grooming him for a year. Aaron Knight was a UKIP election campaigner in Kent when he carried out the attacks. Police said he's a dangerous, predatory paedophile. And so he's been uh, he's been jailed. And uh, the victim's mother says Farage makes my blood boil going on about migrants and sex attacks. When if he'd looked closer to home, my young son might not have been harmed. And so they've got a picture of uh, of this uh, man, Aaron Knight. Uh, it, it's ridiculous because there he is sitting with uh, with all the right people, but in the wrong kind of setting. Uh, scramble to sign up more foreign GPs. NHS bosses are racing to recruit more in case of a potential Brexit. 
Because whoever you speak to nowadays, and if you listen to all the programmes on LBC, I couldn't tell you, you know, one from the other. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I've got no idea. I'll be following it, though. I'll be following it just to sort of find out, just out of just out of curiosity. I'm very interested as well about people selling funeral tickets to Muhammad Ali's funeral and to some of the events uh, because they were handed out by the family. Within minutes of 15,000 being distributed, uh, some were offered online for £70 each. Isn't that disgraceful? Actually disgraceful. And a jelly Buckingham Palace made with pims has been unveiled for Sunday Street Party. The meat-along model, complete with edible corgis, used 35 litres of liquid, including champagne and Pim's number one cup. The sculptor, Tim says, we're delighted with the way it's turned out. Pim's is set to serve 30,000 glasses of the drink to 10,000 guests. Oh, lovely, three glasses each. What if I can get hold... I could probably get hold of a Pim's, couldn't I, down there? I bet the army guy goes, excuse me, do you have a Pim's? I have an uh, accreditation. I have a pass. I'm sure they'll get one. Perhaps the Queen herself might like to have a quick chat on LBC. Perhaps, you know, excuse me, Queenie, over here. I'll, I'll put a bid in for her, yeah. I think just a little chat. You know, I just, I don't know what you'd ask. Can you imagine if ever we got her in for in conversation? And they, they laughingly said, yes, of course, she'd love to come in and talk for 30 minutes. And you go, I don't, what would be the first question you'd ask her? I don't know. How are you feeling at 90? You know, do you ache and pain? Because I sometimes get ache and pain in the mornings putting your socks on. But for you, I mean, obviously somebody comes in and does her hair and things like that. Unless she goes to bed in rollers. She might go to bed in rollers. I think she probably does, actually. Perhaps with a hairnet over the top and then brushes it out in the morning. That's how I think it probably works. What would you ask her, though? What would you ask her? I know that if you ask... If, if you get Prince Philip, you have to submit all your questions in advance. You can't, you can't throw anything at them. They won't have a curved ball. They want to know exactly what's going to be asked so they are prepared for the answers. Imagine. I know what I'd ask Prince Andrew. Why are you such a... <laughs> Why did you marry Sarah Ferguson? God oh, blimey. You'd had some ropey old girlfriends beforehand, didn't you? I mean, do you really think that the public like you? No, they don't. They don't like your ex-wife either. They don't like the kids. It must be the only time a whole family has been loathed by everybody in the country. Excuse me, having a little... Do you know, honestly, I could sit on a desert island... I've decided, with cups of coffee, coming from where, I've got no idea, and coconuts. I could eat coconut, ice cream, coconut. I tell you, my favourite is, is Bounty. The ice cream Bounty. It's delicious. It's really delicious. And then yesterday we discovered that there is a Ribena ice lolly, which looks like a Calippo. And I, well, I couldn't find any yesterday. Couldn't find any at all. I was I was going to go and have a, a wander around the fridges of Iceland, who seemed to be the best place to find these sort of things. And there was such a queue. I thought by the time I got there, they would have melted in my hand. So I didn't I didn't bother actually. Uh, eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Actually, Kevin says your tattoo would read "Property of LBC." If found beside an empty bottle of prosecco, please return to Leicester Square. <laughs> uh, and what are these uh, Union Jack flags all over the place? And uh, it was all over the place in Regent Street and Oxford Street. Yeah, are, are they still there or are they not there? I saw them the other day when I was driving out of town. And I remember thinking, what are they there for? And I'm thinking, well, it's obviously for the Queen, isn't it? It's obviously for the birthday. Because on Sunday, I'm going to have to start sorting out things. I'm going to have to come in by car, I think, taxi, because there's going to be nowhere to park. It's absolutely not going to be parkable. I think it's going to be so chock a block with all these people around in town. So, pfft. And I think roads will be closed and everything, so I think we'll have to uh, have to get the car in, which is okay. I quite like that. Um, what do we got? Oh yes, out. This is uh, Maria Sharapova. It's not a it's not a news story here. 
Her world rankings, only number 26. She's not exactly ex- that exciting, is she? Uh, Grand Slam wins, you know, 2004, 2006, 2007. Uh, 2012, 2014. Career earnings, uh, 25.3 million. How much do you reckon she's got, according to Forbes? I mean, like, she's going to worry about a ban. 196.5 million, they reckon. That's what they reckon she's actually, she's actually got, you know, she can get her hands on. And so she gets a two-year drug ban. Pfft, who cares? She's not, not going to be worrying about that anytime soon, is she? Which is the, uh, which is the problem. Noel Edmonds all over the place. Uh, pictures of uh, him and Helen, his first wife, and then uh, his second wife, Liz. And, uh, and when he used to do Swap Shop, he looks the same. He looks the same. Seriously, I thought he was great fun to work with. And, um, and you know, if he wants to believe in electromagnets, that's his business. It's only because he's Noel Edmonds that people have, uh, have taken notice of him. That's, that's what it is. It's absolutely Noel Edmonds. And they're going, you know, <laughs> they think he's mad now. They think he's mad. Uh, no point in circling in the issues. They've gone ahead and highlighted yellow rings. If you, you know, when you walk down the pavement, you look down, all those little white blobs, it's chewing gum. People just spit it onto the ground, leave it, and then it gets trodden in, and it stays there. And the council, round here, in, uh, we must be Westminster Council, because we're in Leicester Square, right in the heart of the capital, uh, they come round, they jet wash every couple of days, and they're jet washing with hot water to get the, uh, the chewing gum off. Where it goes to, I've got no idea, but they certainly seem to be jet washing. Over in Chelmsford in Essex, they've had to write a thing saying, beware, chewing gum. It's all over the place. Uh, littering risks a £75 fine. So, in other words, if you spit out a bit of chewing gum, they can fine you 75 quid. It's a good idea, isn't it? Here's uh, Anton Dock, Deck, and uh, out with Holly Willabooby. And she gets an award. And uh, I don't know what the award was for, actually. But she was trying to clear her head with ginger tea, which was good. So she was named TV Personality of the Year. Dawn French presented Jennifer Saunders with an inspirational award. Uh, Alicia Dixon and Amanda Holden were also there. So there's loads of, uh, loads of people in. Oh, by the way, if you're a Vodafone customer, I've got some advice for you coming up the other side of the news, which you will not need to miss. That's only for Vodafone customers, OK? Because uh, you might need to start checking your bills a little bit more carefully. LBC News Time, 5.30, with the latest headlines. Here's Rupert Bartia. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Ooh, I could just do with some sour cream on something now. I could eat fajitas. I could just eat fajitas now. Isn't that funny? All the things you can eat at this ridiculous time of the morning. Anyway, nice to be company. Welcome along. It's Thursday, the 9th of June, and it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. So here's the advice if you're a Vodafone customer, uh, because they've got 20 million. So there's a very good chance a number of you could be listening this morning. Uh, thousands of complaints about a series of blunders on the bill. Some customers overcharged. Some threatened with bailiffs for non-payment, despite cancelling contracts. Uh, MoneysavingExpert.com has revealed there's been a surge in the number of problems reported since the network switched to a new billing system at the end of last year. Martin Lewis slammed the systematic problems. He said every Vodafone customer should take the time to check through their bills and bank statements. And if they're wrong, their credit reference files too. The thousands of complaints received about uh, Vodafone are likely to be a drop in the ocean compared with the amount of people likely affected, as most people don't rigorously, rigorously check their bills or tariffs. God, thank goodness that's one thing I do. I mean, another customer said, I've, been, I've had ongoing bill problems where they charge me an extra 50 quid for a phone number I don't have. They said it's a computer error. Vodafone apologised to customers and said the move to a new billing system was to blame. 
But that's not good enough, is it? They're supposed to be experts, these companies. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, we moved to a new thing, and all of a sudden there's cock-ups all over the place. Well, it's not good enough. Should have checked this before you even did it. Even did it. The complaints website Revol- Resolver was dealing with 6,500 Vodafone cases lodged in the year to April. That's double the number for the next most complained about, Talk Talk. I don't know which I'm with, I'm actually. I'm with O2. Is that Vodafone? I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's not a separate one, is it? Oh, God, but I'm only paying £18 a month, so I, I know exactly what's going out because they send me a thing going, this is how much is going out. But do check. I know it's difficult. If you're an elderly person, you might need to get somebody, you know, to go and check it for you just to make sure. Don't take it into a shop. Get sort of family to check it for you. Uh, 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. A lot of people are trying to guess what Steve Allen's tattoo would be like. Um... And as I say, if ever I had it, if ever it would, um, if ever it would be uh, be happening, I would be screaming my way through it. Apparently, it's supposed to hurt, and I inject all the time, so I'm, I'm quite used to doing just sort of one small needle. But the idea of constant needles, I'm not uh, not too sure about. Uh, potential dates will line up naked. This is on Channel Four uh, for the summer. It's going to be the get 'em off button, and so a lot of people will be standing there uh, with nothing on at all. Uh, the Great British Skinny Dip is a documentary about British naturism's efforts to get us swimming in the buff. Uh, The documentary will follow the organisation's attempts to find swimming venues and drum up support and explore what the appeal of nudity is. There's a lot of people who want to look at other people's naked bodies. That's all it is. I mean, what's the the point of being a a nudist? You sit there staring at the sky thinking, oh, please don't make me look down, please don't make me look down. Is that what it's all about? I don't know. But then, uh, Naked Attraction, hosted, they think, by Anna Richardson... Uh, singletons will pick a date from a lineup of six nudies. As the show progresses, the contestants will rule out people based on their physiques. So it'll be like sort of... Uh, well, it, it won't be anything like Channel 5's Naked Jungle with Keith Chegwin. A bad strip, if ever you saw one. So it's just an excuse, isn't it, to sort of get people with their kit off on television. And everybody will be watching it. Now that I've mentioned it, you'll be marking it down for the schedules. Uh, Louis Walsh admits he loves watching the X Factor flop in the ratings. Speaking uh, yesterday, the former long-standing show judge says, my contract wasn't picked up last year. I was half expecting it. So it was fine because I had lots of things to do. I think being away from the show was a really good thing for me because ratings weren't good. I knew watching the first show that it wasn't going to work. So I was going, yes. I called Simon really late that night and told him what I thought. I said, you've messed with it too much. It's not working. He didn't say anything for a second. And then he said, maybe you're right. (laughs) And of course he was. He was right, which is what I said in the first place. You never should have moved Louis Walsh off that uh, off that programme because he knew exactly what he's talking about. He knows, you know, whether these people have got any hits. Unfortunately, he did inflict Jedward on us. And for that, you know, we have to send him to eternal hell and damnation because it's, they were just absolutely ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. I mean, they really were ghastly. I don't think it was possible to be two people who were completely mad. Completely mad. Uh, another one here. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, will the naked cyclist be going down the mall during the party, says Phil? I don't think so, actually, but it's an interesting question, because that's where they were heading last year. Uh, Noreen says, how lovely you're involved on Sunday with the celebrations. I'd love to go if you get to chat to Beatrice and Eugenie. Ask her if they've ever seen the Windsors. Yeah, uh, Beatrice, Eugenie... <laughs> oh no, of course if they see a microphone they'll be heading over to me straight away uh, I've got a small rose tattoo with mum on my inner wrist yeah, my friend Anthony wants to have a complete sleeve that's what it's called, if you have the whole arm done a complete sleeve I said, oh 
God, why? Why on earth would you ever want something like that? Absolutely ghastly. Ghastly. Uh, Julie says, I heard Mary Ann on James O'Brien yesterday. 60 years old and living alone. Poor woman reduced to working as a mature escort. Uh, she couldn't get a job and isn't entitled to a pension for six more years. She sounded so desperate and distressed as to what she had to do to have some kind of income. I think there are a lot of women in their 60s who can't get employment, have no pension, and are destitute whilst we hand out money to Albanian murderers. What a country we live in. I know. I mean, I've always thought that the benefit system needs a complete overhaul. It's obviously as corrupt as it could possibly be. People seem to get away with everything. There was a woman the other day, uh, a Nigerian woman, who her second time in court on benefit fraud, £120,000. And we didn't send her to prison, but we sent somebody else to prison for twelve grand. Didn't make any sense to me. The judge said it would serve no useful purpose sending her to prison. Really? Make me feel a lot better. Also, sending her back to Nigeria would make me feel a lot better as well. Far too many people living in this country who can cheat the system and get away with it because there's so many bent people on the inside. It's ghastly. It really is. It's every day. I, think it's, it, I don't think there's a day gone by where I have not read a story about somebody who has cheated the system. And that's it. The spitting out of chewing gum, Steve, says Charmaine. Um, it's so vile and so unnecessary. As a guide dog owner, I've often found chewing gum stuck to the coats of my dogs, which they've picked up from lying on the pavement or even on buses. Sometimes the gum is too close to the skin for the hair to be cut off, so it has to remain there unless you can freeze it off. Apart from that, I've found it stuck to the inside of tables in restaurants, on seats. Oh, I got it on a seat in a theatre once, and I have a habit. If the theatre isn't particularly... Uh, if it's a Victorian theatre, there's no room on the seats. So you cannot stretch your legs out. So what I do is I tend to tuck my legs under the seat. And it was only when I was getting out, this is a few years back, that somebody had put chewing gum under the seat. They'd stuck it under the seat. So as I put my leg there, I now had it stuck to my trousers. And what you're supposed to do is take your trousers off, put them in the freezer. When it freezes, then you break it off. And that's what you're supposed to do. It was a blooming nightmare. It really was. People in chewing gum, they stick it under tables. I wouldn't mind, but it comes with something. And you just, why can't people put it in a bin? Why do they just spit it on the ground, Charmaine? It's terrible. I agree with you. I, th I think it's absolutely disgraceful. Dirty people. Dirty people. Certain countries, I think it's illegal in... Where is it illegal? There's a certain... Singapore. If you spit chewing gum out, woo, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. I'd have a field day here. I mean, of course, we need thousands more police officers uh, to actually go out there and enforce people who spit when they get... Th spitting anyway. I, w I was getting on the bus the other week. Do you remember... And, and the bloke on before me spat by the side of the bus. And I went, disgusting. He had headphones on, he didn't hear a word of it. I should have actually hit him and then gone, Oi, disgusting, filthy person. Uh, Axel says, your tattoo only needs to say, simply the best. Uh, Tony says, with your worship of money... Well, I mean, I have to work. I mean, you, you, you must be honest, Tony. You can't actually survive in this day and age without having money. The tattoo would be of a £50 note. Yes. No, I would have a million pound note based on that film, The Million Pound Note, which worked on the assumption that if ever such a note existed, you would never need to spend it because people would know that you were very rich. And so the 50 pound note, the film as was, I think it's been done a couple of times now, uh, based on the assumption you could take any person, give them a million pound note and they could move themselves up through society they could live very well, have a house, food, clothes, everything at all, without spending it, because the note was your guarantee. And uh, I quite like that, actually. You could just sort of lift up your shirt. Well, maybe not, maybe not that. Perhaps on the leg or something. And then you have the, 50, uh, the million pound note tattooed on your body. As I say, you can't take it with you. 
And uh, it's a case of, you blooming well can, and I will be. I'm contemplating, says Kevin, a complete sleeve tattoo. I got my first tattoo two years ago, and they are addictive. Yes, Kevin's got his on his legs. But there again, he spends most of his time with his legs out on display. Somebody said, your stomach's crying out for it. Can you hear my tummy this morning? It's having a field day in here. I'd love to know what's going on. It's like, seriously, it's like the waterworks going on. Sometimes I sit there and I'm thinking, is that ri- what is going on inside there? And it must be like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with blah, 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 all this blah, 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 all this going on all inside your body. I've got no idea what causes it. I've had my cup of tea. I've had some, some melon. And still it's playing havoc. Still it's playing havoc. Uh, Wayne says, I watched your great in-conversation with Piers Morgan the other day. Watched the video. On the LBC website. Great to see you on camera instead of just hearing you. Yes, there are, there are quite a number, thank you, Wayne, of, of, uh, of the Steve Allen In Conversation interviews which are up on, on the LBC website. And the Piers Morgan, he was great. He was great. We always have uh, good fun with Piers Morgan. I've got one studio I can't use for recording uh, on camera because even though it's got cameras in here, they're not connected up to the right bit. And then another studio we had a problem with, so we couldn't use that one. And if we use another studio... <laughs> I've got about three I can use. Um, then I have to sit at a different angle, and it gets a bit... Com- and I don't like being filmed at an angle. But the Piers Morgan one was filmed in our sister station just down the, uh, just down the corridor here. It's very flash. Very, very flash. I like nice studios to work in. I don't understand it. I did a, an interview, as you know, about my, uh, about my sort of career and how I ended up uh, getting to here. And it's on the website. You can you can find it quite quickly. And there's only been one comment. I think there was only one comment from somebody saying, I'm not sure about this, this chap, because I say I'm in radio, but I don't know anything about radio. And then I read his his blog. He's a geek. He knows more about radio than I will ever know about because I'm I I'm in it and I've been in it for a long time, but I don't really talk radio to people. I don't go back and go, oh, hey, you know, really did this today. This was really exciting. I just look at it as it's, it's a job. He, he wasn't too sure whether or not he was in favour of somebody who, who didn't really understand radio. And I thought, well, there must be thousands of us who don't understand it. I kind of fell into it. I didn't want to come into it. I fell into it and it served me very well, really very well. In fact, yesterday I had a nice chat. We're having the office all revamped, having all new desks put in. It's, it's all really super. And I had a chat to the boss and uh, today we're going to go through the figures and he's going to... Pat me on the back with a bit of luck. And, um, and it's just nice. It's just nice. It feels very good and very comfortable. But as for radio, I really don't understand it at all. I've got no idea. As I say, there are far more geeky people out there who understand more about radio than I ever will do. I just know I do it, and it seems, seems to kind of work. Patrick says, uh, read chewing gum. And Anglia Ruskin University have gum recycling bins all over the campus, and they recycle the gum into making more recycling bins. That sounds a bit bizarre. Uh, Mina says, talking about spitting, somebody in my building spat on the stairs. It was there for days. I ended up clearing it myself. Made me feel sick. Oh, people are disgusting, aren't they? They really are awful. Where do these people come from? Ghastly. God, well, your flats, I suppose, to start with. And, um... Steve, the, uh, the London streets used to be paved with gold, says Leah. Must be a joke, now paved with gum and spit. The amount of people who spit on the pit, it's just quite disgusting. If I was a police officer, I'd be having them arrested every minute of the day. Although I watched one of those um, police documentaries in New Zealand. My God, they're dealing with an epidemic over there. There's more chavs in New Zealand than I've ever seen anywhere. They're really bad. They're drunks. They're alcoholics. They're drug users. They're vile, horrible people. I wouldn't want to go there. Definitely not. Uh, Still to come, the kitchen con men who've been jailed. Yeah, it's a penman investigation. And that's what we like. And um, big celebrations 
for uh, for Paul Cooper's birthday yesterday. John, he said, got me pie, mash and liquor. Pie, mash and liquor. That's what he likes. That's what he likes. He likes pie, mash and liquor. Today's an important day for Paul Cooper, so I wish him lots of uh, lots of luck today and love. He knows what it is. And everybody who works with him knows exactly what it is. So John got you pie, mash and liquor. Well, that was it, wasn't it? That was it. You'll have to wait till tomorrow to get my, my present. I've not finished building it yet. It's uh, quarter to six. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time. Come on, Thursday. You very nearly make it to Friday. And this weekend is going to be so busy. This weekend is going to be busy, busy, busy. Even people listening to the radio at the moment, they're getting ready for a big concert down at Wembley. And I think it's at Wembley, isn't it? Yes, I think it must be, actually. And uh, they've got tons of people down there and that's sold out. And that's going to be great. Then on Sunday, we've got uh, the Queen's sort of garden party in the Mall with lots of people sitting down and having a nice time and eating lots of really lovely food. I shall be down there as well. Uh, reporting into Katie Hopkins' programme. <laughs> it's going to be so exciting, honestly. She doesn't. I don't think she knows about this yet. It's going to be a bit of a surprise for her. <laughs> Hope it's a nice surprise. And uh, so I'm going down tomorrow to pick up the accreditation. I've got an interview today for In Conversation. Fantastic interview today and a fantastic interview tomorrow. Yesterday we had lovely Fern in. She was brilliant. So it's all going very nicely, actually. We just need a bit of weather. Just a little tiny bit of weather. And then uh, my friend Ian, he says, fantastic, talking about Christmas in June. Because uh, we've we've scheduled a date in for my Magic Circle Christmas show, and I've got a I've got a, a sort of an advance an advance thing for for our charity make some noise because they asked something the other day about uh, my, my boss said to me he said would you be interested in doing that I said absolutely and it's something that you can all get involved with something you can all get involved with and I think I think you might go for this one if if it all comes together it'll be really really nice really really nice and uh, I'll give you details of the Magic Circle Christmas show it'll be up on my uh, on my Twitter page, probably tomorrow, actually, probably tomorrow. But talking about Christmas in June, who was it who wrote something to me the other day about Christmas? They went, I can't believe it. I'm getting withdrawal symptoms about Christmas already. And, um, and Jordan, you're absolutely right. Absolutely delightful. Absolutely delightful. So that's good. Uh, Stephen Milne will be up this morning. But the best news of the day, I mean, apart from the fact that you're all here, which is the nice news, is a kitchen con man has been jailed. And this is a man who, over the years, has just basically ripped people off. Uh, a two-and-a-half million-pound kitchen rip-off company. Um, the prime suspect has fled abroad, but don't worry. We will be getting him back again. They'll be finding him very quickly. This is a guy called Vance Miller. He operates shabby kitchen companies from Oldham in Greater Manchester, notching up record numbers of complaints. He's traded under various names, but they've decided now they were all effectively rubbish. That's what the judge said. And so he's been jailed... Uh, David Hurrigan from Lancashire bail, uh, jailed on Tuesday for 18 months for unfair trading, whilst five others received lesser jail sentences. The defendant said that uh, Miller, this is Vance Miller, was controlling the operation behind the scenes, and uh, they'll get him back and he'll be going off to prison again. Because we're so mamby-pamby, aren't we, in this country? So it's unfair trading. They've been ripping people off for years with different companies, and we go, unfair trading. No, 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 no. Throw them in prison, 20 years. Goodbye, take them away, get rid of them. Simple as that. It's ridiculous. It's like there's, a, there's another one here. It's a, it's a company. The Knowledge Academy provided business training courses, including Canada. And they were offering one at a Canadian motel for 1637 Now, Penman investigating in the mirror knew damn well that this town had been devastated by fire and everything had been destroyed. There is no Canadian motel. It's gone. 
There's nothing at all. So, posing as a potential buyer, they decided to see if they could buy one of these classes. And uh, they've got luxurious venues, they boast, including Canada. Of course, this one's just a smouldering ruin. So they, uh, so they contacted them. And they were trying to sell residential courses that would take place at the city's Super 8 Hotel, as pictured on the website. Well, of course, the Super 8 Hotel burnt down. There's nothing of it. So they thought, how honest are they going to be? So they phoned up, oh, yes, uh, we're still going ahead. And, um, and it's £1,637. And, and so in an effort to try and get them to sign up immediately, they said, listen, there's only one, one place left and a few other people are going for it at the moment. So best you sign now. They declined the offer. And uh, it was a five-day property project management course. And, um, and then it's been pointed out to them that the place doesn't exist. So, again, another one who's been exposed by Penman investigating. It's a bit like That's Life, this, uh, this double-page spread. It's all, it's all brilliant. It's all brilliant. And it all, it all, it's, it's basically exposing people who cheat you, like the kitchen con men. You know, the people who try and offer classes at a burnt-down Canadian motel. All these people get exposed and all I hope is that you hear it either through the newspaper or you've heard it through this programme and you try and uh, warn people about it. Uh, Sarah says, people need to be careful with Vodafone. When I was leaving them to go to another provider last November, a final amount of £11 was agreed. When I went to check my bank account, they'd taken £58. Yeah, this is what they've said. This is on the, uh, that money-making website. You've got to check them because uh, they've had a computer glitch. Who programmes computers, ladies and gentlemen? People! People program computers. That's why they've got all these cock-ups on there, which is terrible. Uh, Dan says, it makes me laugh when chavs wear shorts in the winter to reveal their ridiculous football tattoos on their legs. Why do people have football tattoos on their legs? Why do, what, what, I, mean, I don't quite understand. I can understand on your arm, but I can't quite understand why you'd have it on your, uh, on your legs. That doesn't, that doesn't actually make any, any sense to me. Uh, Julie says, you talk, we listen. We don't understand radio either. And that's the magic. Yes, I mean, I, I got chastised by this one person who, as I say, isn't even in radio. So they can't, they're not fit to comment if, if you're not actually in radio. It's only if you're in radio you can talk about it. And, um, and they said they, they, they weren't sure about me because I didn't understand radio. I thought, are you supposed to go on for a diploma or something in understanding radio? Radio is communication. You know, I could stand outside the building and shout with a megaphone. It's still communicating, isn't it? The fact that it goes through this microphone here... And then the wires go under the desk and presumably into your radios. And that's how it manages to do it. I don't know. I've got no idea. It goes up onto the roof, I believe. And there's some, some transmitters or something or dishes or so. I don't know. And then it, from there it goes to somewhere else. And then it just pushes it out and people listen to it. I don't know how it works. I'm not, there are better people than me here who know all about these sort of things. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not one of them. Uh, one here says, uh, spitting is the vandalism of the streets. I live in Mallorca. And even the women spit in the streets. Oh, don't ever go to China then. Do not ever go to China. will be horrified. Absolutely horrified. People do it into the gutters. It's disgusting. Perhaps I'm just old-fashioned. Perhaps I'm old-fashioned, but I, I never, ever did it. I never did it. And, um... What's Ashley got here? Treats from Vegas. On an old desk. They'll be gone by nine. Pfft. I love it when people say, don't, don't, t oh, that's all right, I come off air very shortly. Don't need to worry about things like that. I like the idea of, uh, of treats from Vegas. What sort of treats would you get in Vegas? Sometimes people cheat. You know, the idea is, and I don't know whether it works in your office, but every time somebody goes away on holiday, when they come back, they have to put sweets on the desk. Now, some people are very good and buy the sweets in the country that they've come from. Other people just go to the corner shop. 
and buy sweeties. And it's not quite the same. When I went to Vegas, I came back and I deliberately bought three packs of sweets from Vegas Airport because I thought, I mean, it was a blooming pain. It really was to have to bring the things back. But I thought that's what you have to do. But some people have just literally gone down the local corner shop and brought a few packets of sweets. I can't wait to see what comes back from, uh, from Vegas. Which sounds quite nice, doesn't it, really? Uh, weather, has it changed? No. It's exactly the same as it was before, which is good, so don't worry about that. Oxford Street has uh, part of its payment, says Tony, pebble-dashed with bubblegum. Do you know, years ago, bubblegum used to be lovely, but this is not the gum that people are using at the moment. Bubblegum was pink, and you could go and blow bubbles, and that's what was very exciting about it. But, but the gum that you see all over the place is sort of just regular chewing gum. And banned in certain places around the world. Jamie says, think how funny it's going to be in 20 years' time looking at all the middle-aged fatties covered in wrinkly tattoos. Well, that's what most people now spend most of their time trying to get rid of them. Trying to get rid of them. It's ridiculous. Uh, Bart in Basildon said, I've gone right off you. Mentioning Christmas should be illegal before November. Oh, no, 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 no. 24 hours a day. Christmas. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was looking at my Christmas lights the other day, debating whether we have 3,000 lights on the tree or 10,000. Oh, no, 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 no. You talk about Christmas all year round. What a miserable person you must be not to enjoy the sentiment of the of the season. I mean, put it this way, if it snowed tomorrow, I'd be out on my toboggan singing Christmas carols. Seriously, I do have my Christmas carol CD in the car. And uh, on odd occasions, I do play it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can't believe people say, oh, I mean, years ago it was different. Different things. You know, pe- people, some people hate Christmas and they only do it on Christmas Eve. In fact, if you go to European countries, they celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. We do Christmas Day. But as far as I'm concerned, you could do, you can have turkey and stuffing and pigs in blankets and roast potatoes and little sprouts. You can have that every weekend. Every weekend you can have that. You don't need to wait for Christmas. I mean, one year I wrapped all my presents in October. They were all wrapped in October, sitting in a sack, and then I and then I forgot to put labels on, and I couldn't remember what they were, so I had to unwrap them all. So I kind of had two Christmases. Oh yeah, no, no, no! I'm a big Christmas fan, and all the people I know love Christmas as well. There are a few people like you, Bart. I don't believe you live in Basildon. Nobody can be called Bart who lives in Basildon. You're probably called Ethel or something like that, and you probably come from from Wiltshire somewhere. Uh, but no, no, miserable people like you, bar humbug. Oh no, 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 no! You have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy it. It's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And, of course, Christmas has got nothing at all to do with the baby Jesus. Nothing at all to do with that. That's just the church hijacking it. Christmas came from pagan, and it was going from sort of one year into the into the other. So Christmas got hijacked by the church to try and get people in there. But no, 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 no. We, we all enjoy it. And the shops make, make the most of it as well. But I can't wait. Seriously, I cannot wait for more snow to come down and the Christmas trees to get out there and all the lights on there. Heading up to the news at six this morning, as I wish you all, probably the first time, Merry Christmas. There you go. That'll be the first person to wish you. All together now, deck the... Ho- oh, I'll do it later, shall we? Uh, up for sale, Hitler's socks and ties. Who would buy them and would you tell anybody? The sick touts who are selling the funeral tickets to Muhammad Ali's funeral. Uh, the big brother snubbed by you, the audience. You're not watching it, mainly because it's a bunch of deadbeats. It's really embarrassing. That's the best that they can get. It really is pitifully awful. The shaming of Maria Sharapova, but with a fortune of about 200 million. Why should she care? Nancy Delusional, I mean, really gone barking mad, hasn't she? She was always a bit strange. Now she's fallen off the end, I'm afraid. And uh, the shop's hiding their anti-theft systems that disrupt pacemakers. That and more in a minute. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. 
Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, the 9th of June. David Beckham. It's another publicity shot. He must be so bored with his life. He needs to go out there and get pictures taken with sort of people, and they go, oh, look, David Beckham's doing something. Meanwhile, the rest of the family, I don't know what they're doing, nothing at all, actually. Uh, the school teacher quits over the pictures, which appeared on a on a sex site. The Love Rat MP, Steve Double, is called uh, a pest by the father-in-law. I mean, to be honest with you, he's such a hypocrite. Mark Wright could be a professional footballer. They quite liked him when he did the Robbie Williams thing the other day. The magnetic therapy does work, says Noel Edmonds, and there's nothing new about it. It's been around since the 1900s. The shaming of Maria Sharapova and the builder. Slight problem as the house collapsed. 650,000 quid's worth. That gives you a rough idea. You must be laughing up the, up, the, uh, up the country, looking at the pictures in the paper today of this house that collapsed, which looks like a, a cheap end-of-terrace house, which, of course, anywhere in the country, it would be a cheap end-of-terrace house. In London, it's worth nearly £700,000. I mean, if you go to Liverpool, you can probably pick that up for about thirty, forty thousand 40000 quid, if that, if that. Even if you had to do... Uh, this one, you've got to complete... I mean, now you've got to rebuild it. Because it just started going a little bit. I think maybe the builder wasn't particularly experienced. And, uh, and down it went. And people were sort of following it and, and going, oh dear, it's collapsed. But when you look at what you get in London for your money, and you look at what you get in, say, Middlesbrough, I mean, there's no comparison at all. Absolutely no comparison. We get, you know, right royally shafted down in London because people want to come and live in London because they go, the streets are paved with gold. If only, it would be, we'd be digging up the pavements on the way home, let me tell you. And... Um, and consequently, people come down and they go, right, how much uh, is a house down here? And they go, well, what are you looking for? They're looking, oh, well, I've, I've just come from Merseyside and we've got a, a four-bedroom, uh, semi-detached house with a nice long 130-foot garden, enough room to put a sort of, you know, children's play area in and everything else, and uh, off-street parking for three or four cars, and uh, that's worth 220000 And the estate agent looks at them and goes, not down here. I've got a council repossession, which is about three hundred and thirty, and that's about it. You just don't get it. I mean, seriously, in Richmond, down the road from me, which is, you know, it's on the Thames, but then Twickenham, where I live, is on the Thames as well. Anything that's got water, you used to be able to add £20,000. Now you add £100,000 because you can either see the water or get near it. So round about Brentford, which is sort of a bit of a dumpy area, to be honest with you. I mean, you, you come off, off the Kew roundabout in London and uh, you, sorry, you, you come over uh, Kew Bridge and then turn to the left and that leads you down to Brentford, which is not a great area. They're building flats along the mudflats of the Thames because the Thames is tidal. And, uh, and they go for huge amounts of money. And you think, people tend to forget, when you buy a flat, you're not just buying the flat, that's not it. You've then got maintenance charges. You've got to pay maintenance on the flat because you've got to pay for all those light bulbs that light it up at night. You've got to pay for somebody keeping it clean. You've got to, if they've got communal gardens, you've got to pay for that. And so if you can find a place that's freehold as opposed to leasehold, you're doing better. Because it's so expensive in London. I mean, it just really is. It's, it's priced itself out in the market. And when I looked at the picture of that house which has collapsed in the papers, and I thought six hundred and fifty to £700,000 for that, <coughs> people think it's a bargain. They did a programme on the television the other day, and it was called million pound properties and they had um had a, a terribly terribly well-spoken young lady and uh, she was going to move into this flat it was a flat it wasn't a house it was a flat and uh, it was a shell it was a house that was being converted and the estate agent said uh, you've got to kind of like you know use your imagination and obviously her father was bill was buying this for his daughter and the two sons so they'd have somewhere to live in london so it's an investment how much was it it was a million pounds for a shell. Seriously. It didn't have a kitchen. He said, the kitchen's going to be here, and then this will be here. And he went, 
Are you serious? For this matchbox, she's paying a million pounds. You could move out to Berkshire and for sort of 600000 buy a place that's got stables. It's just crazy. And of course, the more people buy the... One of them was a council flat at the top of a building which had a little tiny balcony on it. The, the washing machine, as I explained the other day, you walk in the front door and it's wedged into the hole in the wall with a shutter. It was seriously... And he went, oh, I think it's worth a million that these people have more, more money than sense. I've never heard anything like it. It's absolutely atrocious. So, you know, if you're thinking of moving down to London, renting seems to be a fairly good option nowadays, because anything else to do is just... It's way out, unless you've really got serious, uh, serious savings. Jill says, best thing about Christmas for me... I knew we'd talk about it. A fairy lights and carols from Kings on Christmas morning. You see, to me... I, I just like Christmas lights. You don't have to call them fairy lights or Christmas lights. You can just call them pretty lights. They're pretty lights. And I never see the the point of buying white lights. It's got to be multicoloured. So last year we had 3,000 lights on the outdoor tree and I think 6,000 lights on the indoor tree because I can't get enough of them. Because we found chains of lights the other year and I think I found them and then Neil went and got them as well from the garden centre. 3,000 lights on one chain. Who wants to do 150, 20 lights on a chain? <laughs> amateurs. Amateurs. More lights you have, the better. If I had my way, I would live. I would live in, in a Christmas shop. I would, do, I would all year round. I could quite happily watch. I've got all my Christmas films, and I watch them even now, even during the year. I'm not one of those people. As far as I'm concerned, you want to eat, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken every day. You go and eat Kentucky Fried Chicken every day. You want to celebrate Christmas every day? Go celebrate. In fact, there is a man who does celebrate Christmas every day. He's been in the papers, and he has a Christmas dinner every day, with all the trimmings. He has, um, he has um, Brussels sprouts and everything else. And I think he's he is one of those. Uh, compulsive people about Christmas. He's obsessive about Christmas. I'm not obsessive about it. I just like I like the feel. I like it when it goes cold and you go out and you've got a big thick coat on, and and you put the coat on and your nose hurts and all the rest of it, and you can have a bottle of prosecco, and um, and you can have presents and trees look nice. Kids love it. You watch the excitement in kids' eyes over Christmas. I don't believe you have to wait till November. As far as I'm concerned, you can do it any time you like. I love going around the garden centres round my way. They're probably up and down the country, I should imagine. And they're all full of everything. It's all themed. In this section, all the, all the gold items. In this section, all the silver items. In this section, all the green, the reds. Everything. I love it. I love the whole thing. I can't get enough of it. I really can't. It's, it's, it's bizarre. There you go. This is the man. He celebrates Christmas every day of the last 22 years. He's a festive fan. He's called Andy Park. I knew he existed. I never tell fibs on this programme. Can't afford to. It's cost him £2 million so far. So every day... He has uh, his his Christmas lunch. He watches the Queen's speech from the previous year, and uh, and it's, it's to, he has mince pies. Yes, you can get mince pies all year round, and then you can have them with cream or custard. Why not? Why not? People say, "Oh, you should you should only do this. It takes away the magic." You're joking. It doesn't take away the magic at all. The magic would be if over the festive season it snowed. But I think it's brilliant. I don't think I want to wear a hat every day and pull a cracker. Although I've pulled a few crackers in my time, as you can well imagine. But I don't, I don't want to do that side. I just like, uh, and I've got Christmas lights up, or whatever you want to call them, festive lights or just pretty lights, all year round. I do not not have them up. I have them everywhere. I've got a mirror 
a huge mirror in my sitting room, for reasons best known to myself. And it's enormous. It takes up most of the wall. And it's uh, sort of Rococo style. And all the way intertwined... In, is my new word? Intertwined. Uh, intertwined in it, I've got branches, fake, but they look real, with berries on, and lights all the way round it. And they, they twinkle and flash and do everything else. And I don't care. I really don't care. That's what I want to do. That's what I choose to do. Everybody's different, aren't they? Some people want to spend it on decking. Some people want to spend it on artificial grass. Some people want to spend it on all sorts of things. I want to spend it on lights. When I go out to the garden centre at Christmas time, once they start bringing the stuff in, and I'm lucky because in Costco they bring it in early. If you leave it to Christmas, it's all gone by that time. So I love looking at the tree. I might have trees on the patio this year, which are these trees which are sort of all year round lights on. I see nothing the matter with this at all. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. But Adrian says, I have to agree. Christmas only mentioned in November. Let's enjoy summer. You see, I don't like summer. So what do I do? Do I have to sit there while everybody else enjoys summer and go, well, they're all talking about old summer and going to the beach and everything else? Because I don't do that. I can't do that at all. Gemma says, me and my dad are huge magic fans and I'm getting married this year. So as a treat, we're going to Vegas on a dad-daughter Hindu to see David Copperfield and Penn and Teller. You'll love both. You'll love both. Make sure you, it's not cheap to go to shows in Vegas. It is, it's really not cheap to go to shows in Vegas, but well worth it. I saw Penn and Teller last time I was there. Very good. The good thing about Penn and Teller is, and I think, I think David Copperfield does it too, when they come off stage, they don't go and sit in their dressing room. They come right out into the auditorium, go outside, and you can take pictures with them, and they'll sign autographs. They're very good like that. Well, Penn and Teller were. Whether, whether David does it, I do not know. I just want the invite from David to his huge warehouse where he's got stuff that only kids like me can dream about. Mick says, I was talking about Christmas to the kids at school yesterday. Very exciting. It's like people say, you know, Christmas only mentioned in November. They start filming the Christmas shows for television in October. They're being planned now. Because you don't have studio space, so they have to they have to sort of get stuff done. So they have to fake up Christmas. You don't think that any of these any of these pictures that you see in the OK magazines are done at Christmas. It arrives in a lorry. A friend of mine had it. And the tree arrives and the turkey sprayed to make it look as though it's real. And uh, and they just come and they have pretend presents. They photograph the family in your in your Christmas sweaters and then they put it all back in the van and it goes off. And then you go, oh, look at that. that. That's how these people celebrate Christmas. No, it's faked. It's faked. Goodness sake, honestly, where are you people coming from this morning? Uh, Sue says, on a recent trip to Australia, I thought it'd be nice to bring back some sweets for my family. So I saw some lager and lime boiled sweets. Dear. When I got back home, I looked at the packaging. Made in England. Made in England. Yeah, so you've got to check, isn't it, really? And then Jane says, I love a Pret-a-Manger Christmas sandwich. See, told you, you do want to talk about Christmas. <laughs> and then, uh, Steve, you are the best. My hubby Joe has Christmas lights all over our garden, beautiful at night. <laughs> and Bart, God, he's back again. He's not Bart Simpson, is he, or something like that. He says, best bit about Christmas is when it's all over. Oh, dear. Mr. Misery. Mr. Misery, bar humbug. Do you sit there all by yourself with the curtains drawn going, I wish I had some friends to celebrate Christmas with like Steve Allen's got, but you won't have. 13 we had for Christmas dinner last year. I might have it today, actually. I haven't quite decided. Turkey, roast potatoes. I can get the little sausages and wrap bacon round them. I'm gonna, it's my mission today to find mince pies and I'm going to have them with clotted cream. Boo you, Bart. Boo you, Mr. Misery, honestly. It's quarter past six, LBC News time, with the latest headlines. Rupert Bartia. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Go, go. 6.20, go. 
People just pop into the studio like it's some sort of halfway home for people. Uh, anyway, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, actually, on the on the subject of uh, Christmas, uh, Paul says, good to hear Steve Allen talking about Christmas this morning on LBC. He's starting a bit late this year. <laughs> You see, people like it. Paul likes Christmas. I, I cannot describe to you what it is. It's not an obsession. Don't don't ever think that I'm sort of somewhat peculiar for liking Christmas. It goes back, I've explained before, to, to childhood. And it goes back a long, long way. And I don't sort of, you know, I don't have a tree dripping with things like that. I just tend to put lights on a tree and then I put that uh, Lambretta stuff on or whatever they call it, Lametta, which is which sort of reflects and looks quite pretty. But I don't, I don't get obsessive about Christmas. I just like Christmas. I like the time of year. I like what I had, and it takes me back to a to a great period. I thought in my life, although at the time I don't think I appreciated it. I don't think any of us ever do. And you miss lots of things. You miss the thing about Christmas is not having your parents there. You miss, you know, all sorts of daft things. You miss as well the fact you get to a certain age and you can't really have presents, can you? What do you do with presents? For goodness sake, at my age, you know, when you get to my age, you've, you've got. Most of the things, anyway. Uh, apparently, uh, Dave says, on holiday this week, we went to Borton on the Water and found a Christmas shop there, open all year round. Well, we used to have one in London, but unfortunately they got priced out by their landlords, and it's a coffee shop now, which is a great shame. Great shame. And, uh, Steve, Merry Christmas, says Richard. And he says, why is it the shops only become friendly at Christmas and not the rest of the year? I commute from Datchet daily and the bald guy at Waterloo always makes me laugh. He's always friendly, always helpful, all year round. That's how, you know, if, if I had a railway station, if I actually, it's a subject for a film. It's a bit like the railway children, only on the platform you've got trees all lit up with lights. But the trouble is with so much vandalism around now, they wouldn't last five minutes, would they? And, you know, that man who enjoys Christmas every day, he's very happy. It's only people who are bar humbug like Bart, who's a real misery. You know, the sort of... He's Scrooge. He's Scrooge, isn't he? Bar humbug. Don't want to celebrate Christmas. No. I love it. I can't get enough of it. And, of course, the more I, I say it, the more it annoys him, which, of course, makes me happy. So I, I derive two lots of pleasures. One about Christmas, one about annoying somebody who doesn't want to talk about Christmas. So Paul and I, I think, are, uh, are together on that one. Thank you very much indeed. David in Cornwall wants to know if ta- Formula One racing drivers understand everything about their computerised cars. I've got no idea. Listen, you're asking the wrong person. I don't know anything about motor racing or any of that kind of stuff at all. Steve, I love you. I know, I get this a lot. And uh, Sandra says, I love Christmas too. It truly is the most wonderful time of the year. Everybody at work I know does a countdown in the 25th day of each month. And my friend Heather went to a restaurant in Chelmsford last weekend and they put on a Christmas CD in ever, uh, in error, in ever. And it started playing Let It Snow. I was devastated I missed it. She'll be listening and laughing now. Did you hear Steve this morning talking about Christmas? I just like it. The producer hates it. Misery, honestly. Well, she comes from Brighton, so what can I tell you about that? There's not a lot going... I mean, don't celebrate in Brighton, do you, really? The fact you get your car back after the police have rescued it, you know, is about the best thing about Brighton. I can't think of any other good reason. Although I was in Brighton a short while ago. I go down there because my uh, my good friend lives down there, and she sort of looks after my account and everything else, and that's the only reason. I go down there just to make sure she's not sort of taken anything and disappeared off to Barbados. It's the safest way, but luckily she's still living in the same place, so that's obviously good news for me, and I pick my friends very, very carefully. I booked my pre-Turkey tinsel break says Sue Anne. 19th of December, 150 quid. And uh, Stewie says, Clarence says, if a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Yes, yes. Steve, you've got a new listener uh, to the show. Yesterday, my father 
is listening. Now he understands why I tune in every day, says Adrian. I think, to be honest with you, I get that a lot. I mean, I, I, I got it from somebody the other day who was saying, I can't quite work out why I listen to your show. And then I suddenly realised uh, it's because it's a conversation. You're listening to somebody who's rambling on about something that everybody can identify with. And uh, one of my lady friends was sort of saying, oh, you know, we listen to Steve every day. And then people say, what do you listen to? And they go, but he talks for two and a half hours. And they go, what about? They go, I've got no idea, but I listen every day. Johnny Boy says, I'm sitting in the car now thinking of mince pies and cream. Nice big thick double cream on the top of it. And make sure the mince pies are warm so the cream melts in. Oh, come on, you taste it. You can t- I can see it. Bart Humbug. Yeah, Bart doesn't like Christmas, says Darren. Bart Humbug. I can't understand people who don't like that. It's like people, you know, not liking wash day or something. I don't know. I, mean, I just can't understand why you wouldn't enjoy Christmas all year round. I mean, talk, just talking about it now makes me want to sort of watch a Christmas film today. I might watch it, you know, just to spite Bart, I might watch a Christmas film. I think I'll probably watch White Christmas. Because at the very end of the show, they're, they're, they're waiting for the snow to arrive. And then they open the doors of this sort of barn of the place. And it's snowing outside. You know it's not real snow, but look, real, real snow to me. I'm quite happy with that. John in Kidbrook says the only good thing about Christmas is a Greg's festive bake. <laughs> uh, Malcolm says the chap you mentioned also wraps up a present every night before he goes to bed to open the next morning. Oh, that makes him slightly mad as far as I'm concerned. Why would you want to do that? Don't mind eating the food. Goodness sake. My favourite Christmas film, It's a Wonderful Life. And Elf, says Mick, is, uh, is one for me. So I like it. Listen, I don't have any more time. Uh, much as I'd like to, uh, to sit here talking about Christmas every day. Every day we do something different on this programme. Every day. Peter in Hornchurch thinks we're running short of material. Never run short of material, Peter. Never. Never, ever done it in, uh, in 36 years. I don't think I've ever had a programme run short of material. I should imagine you actually probably run short of friends, but, I mean, that's your business, isn't it? But uh, I never run short of material. And I was thinking about Hitler's socks. There's one for the left foot and one for the Reich. OK, it's an old gag, but it's worth repeating. It's in the programme today. These are an auction of Nazi artefacts. It's the most bizarre thing. His ties, his dog tax assessment form, are going under the hammer, including a pair of leather boots belonging to a Luftwaffe chief, Hermann Goering. The sale in Munich uh, also has the rope used to hang Nazi propagandist Julius Streicher at Nuremberg. Chubby Goering's big underpants, I think about 48-inch, Waste and the file he used for the cyanide that helped him cheat the executioner are also listed. Uh, they said bids from neo Nazis are not welcome. This collection allows museums and collectors to acquire interesting pieces relating to World War Two. They reject all Nazi and neo Nazi buyers. They've come from the estate of an American collector who treated uh, Allied soldiers wounded on D Day. So now you know where it's come from. This picture in the paper f- today. It's very interesting. Amazing how this stuff sort of resurfaces every so often. Thank you, incidentally, for your company this morning. Uh, looking forward to uh, perhaps getting some more good old Christmas carols out tomorrow. Or perhaps some Christmas... I might just sort of run through my list of my favourite Christmas films tomorrow. That might take a good hour. I don't know. I'll wait and see. James in Canvey Island says, I love you. I know, but luckily enough, you're far enough away for me not to have to worry about calling the police out just yet. And uh, everybody else, thank you very much indeed. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. At Steve Allen Show. Uh, I'm still waiting. There's two things I want to find out, actually. Uh, one, I wanted to find out what happened to Tutankhamun's tomb, which they were supposed to be investigating, thinking that they'd found an inner chamber for Nefertiti. And secondly, I was wondering about whether or not the um, 
Criminal Prosecution Service that actually managed to come to any conclusion about Cliff Richard, seeing as we're now waiting since God created heaven and earth. I don't know how long it takes them to go through this uh, this material. There must be a distinct lack of it now. I mean, do we have any any response from them? Anything, please, soon, like now? Could you not pull your finger out and do something a bit quicker? Never known such a slow service. My God, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Anyway, that's it for this morning. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, on there you will find the free app, which you can download, which means that every day we send you, free of charge, it's our gift, a free podcast of Steve Allen being rude about celebrities. What more could you want, ladies and gentlemen? Your life could never be more complete than Steve Allen having a good old moan about celebrities on the television. Not that many of them are celebrities, but we like to feature them on the programme. So that you get for free. It's a free LBC app. It works for your mobile or tablet. It's easy to download. It's not complicated. And every day you get the free one from me. And I think there's, a, there's I think a few other people have got free ones as well. So uh, do that, please. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But coming up next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. LBC. LBC.